Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Behind the Player podcast brought to you by Survival Challenge. Today, my co-host is Ryan Kaiser. How you doing? You know, I feel like I'm going to take him to the team with this one. You know, I never like don't know, but like, so we'll always reach out to people to ask, like, hey, we got this person lined up. Who's going to talk to him? And with this one, like, literally none of us want to talk to him. We all hate him. I think John literally said that I'd rather die than talk to that loser. So luckily I'm really generous and selfless and loving and a people pleaser. So I'm here on behalf of production to talk to our least favorite player ever. (laughs) Wow. Okay then. But we all know we have our buddy here, Austin from season five, also known as the surviving Maryland Austin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, I'm glad the feeling is mutual with Ryan because when mm-hmm. when I heard William didn't actually tell me that it was Ryan, and I inadvertently <laughs> texted Ryan, being like, "Oh, I'm about to podcast uh, with William and I think John," and he was like, "Oh no, it's me." And I almost canceled on the spot. So I just I'm glad that we're really <laughs> we, we, were, feeling we were still fighting over who has to do it. So it, it took some time to get us locked down too. Right, right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that the bottom of the barrel on both ends, both as the co-host and the guest. Um, this is really going to make for great podcasting and people, you know, the viewers are going to be flocking in to hear this. So uh, anyway, I, I'm actually very happy to be here and uh, having seen some of the episodes recently and going out to Macomb uh, this past summer and then hearing Adam talk about it. It's like dredging up a lot of um, both great memories and PTSD. So I'm excited to uh, relive that trauma and and uh, yeah, talk more about the game. Um. You're one of the few people who have been, as we're kind of working people to experience how survival challenge has changed since its Durham Warrior phase. Um, what did you think about like the Macomb version of survival challenge, having experienced the main version? Well, it was much rainier. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, I know that's not always the case, but this summer, like it was from the second we showed up until the end, was just downpouring. And uh, like, things go great until Austin shows up. Just kind of, you know, just <laughs> yeah, it's it's a course. trend. It's a trend. Um, and because I feel like a lot of people, it's honestly funny you say that because I feel like a lot of people kind of hate it on season five from a gameplay perspective. But I mean, I really love I, I love the fact that like it's been made into survival challenges own location. Like you've, it's a family element, like, and Bob said such a distinct feel as well. But I think that was like blending the idea of it's survivors and it's survival challenge. And we're doing all this stuff together. Now, like this is the home of survival challenge and it's, it's John and you feel every part of John and the whole family and, and, and everyone involved really calling this home. So I like that part of it. Um, I think the location is really cool. And uh, oh my God, the, I mean, season nine, it's season eight itself was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Like, I think it's hard, honestly, to really watch a live game um, from an audience perspective. I didn't really go in thinking that I would enjoy it, just like not seeing the behind the scenes, not seeing confessionals. But the gameplay itself was so freaking fascinating. And the, the cast itself just brought so much that I, I loved getting to watch it. So whether it's location or the cast or just the development of the of the game overall, I was really impressed by seeing this past year. Um, and I think it's why it continues to get such an amazing reputation throughout the community. But at the same time, I also love playing myself and thought it was so impressive as well. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. That's awesome. That's high compliments for you knowing your background. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and your involvement with the, uh, not just the survivor community, but the LRG community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so let's see, I, I was in high school. I, it was either sophomore or junior year. And I, Listen, was listening to the sports podcast that I listened to for years, Bill Simmons, for anyone who listens to him. And he was talking about Survivor on his podcast. Um, 
and it was right during Heroes vs. Villains, and he was like, Rob Russell, oh my god, this is amazing. Like everybody should watch this. And I'd always like had Survivor in my mind throughout the years. I remember when the season one or, or two came on, um, and everybody was watching after the Super Bowl. Um, at the Super Bowl party I was at with all these like parents and, and local families. And I really wanted to watch. And the adults were like, no, 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 no. The kids, you guys got to go downstairs. This is for the adults. And I remember really wanting to watch back then. And I just never picked it up after that. My family never watched. Um, and so it was this podcast. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to watch Survivor. So I just absolutely binged Heroes vs. Villains. And I caught up right before the finale. Um, and it basically triggered me into f- feeling like what, like this is exactly the kind of game that I love. I love social strategy games. I, even though I didn't really play them that much, I just like, I always had this desire to like be in international relations and like build alliances with other countries. And I would play these like weird nerdy, uh, international like relations strategy games online. I don't even know how to explain them. It was like you built your own nation and then you had to go interact with other nations. So like clearly I was just yearning to find what that actually was. And when I found that it was like, Oh my God, this has just changed my life. And I spent so much of my non homework and and school and extracurricular time basically figuring out how the heck do I replicate this feeling that I get watching the show. Um, and I started to find, you know, get into the world of, um, not really ORGs, but uh, for anyone who's familiar with 10 gauged, uh, that was like my gateway drug to the online community, which is, I mean, it's kind of a hardcore drug in its own way, so it's not, not a good explanation. I don't think either. I don't. Neither of you did Ten Gage, did you? No, I, I don't. It's funny. I don't think I did. But I, that name rings a bell. You you would know if you no, did. Ten-gage I was drug. my my home base was a site called Orgy, which stood for or- yes, <laughs> in reality game universe. Yes. Well, I also I do know Orgy. Have we talked about this? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind yeah, of that's okay. how I saw, yeah, because I knew who you were. I never watched Survivor Maryland before you played, but I knew who you were because I saw, I knew you post about your own series on this website. I think I, t- I think I even told you that in like one of our first confessionals together. I, yeah, I don't um, even remember that you telling me that. But okay, to be clear, I got invited to go there to talk about it. I did not post it because it's it's like a it's like a locked forum, so they have to invite you. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other story of how I got into there. Someone was like, people are commenting on your show, and I was like, what? And they invited me and then I went and chatted about it. So I do love that website, but I never came across that kind of thing. It was really more Tangage is more of a general, like it's a, it's like a, it's a almost a social media built around reality games. Um, and it's a lot, a little bit more big brother focused, but anyway, I found myself diving really headfirst into all of it. And I just desperately kept wanting to play and play and play. And I would play these survivor games there. And I would like, I think I had some absurd stat at some point where I won like, seven of the first eight survivor games I had played. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is built for me. I meant to do it. And really it was just because I was like a big loser and I would sit there and like type paragraphs people of how much I wanted to work with them all day. And because I spent so much time on it, they would work with me. So it's not a really a skill or anything, but uh, oh, no. having no life the amount of time that I beginning. devoted to orgs in high school is like embarrassing. So I, I feel you there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, point is to say that I was really all in on this world and I started to come across on YouTube, like examples of there was, a, it was, it was a much smaller community, but there were like Heiko reality and um, forgetting some of the other ones. But one of the ones I definitely did remember was I connected both on 10 gauge and from watching these things with Jake Sparts. Um, and uh, we became friends through that, that world. And I actually ran a game for my Jewish youth group chapter at the end of my senior year. I was like, I really want to play this, but I'm going to like do a weekend game of survivor. Cause I've seen people do this. I've seen these challenges. It looks really cool. So I did it there. And, um, when I got to college, I 
still had the same desire to just like desperately play Survivor in any way I could. And I started applying for the show because I just turned 18 there. But, you know, it wasn't really happening at that point um, or, or ever. I've obviously not been on the show. So <laughs> not to say that it, it changed later on. But the um, uh, finally, I kept talking about my like I would just talk about this wherever I was. And all my friends were like, oh, yeah, that sounds fun or whatever. Oh, you should go on Survivor. And I started to like think about and kind of joke about what would it look like if the people that I knew on my floor played survivor. Cause your, your dorm and your floor is like almost your own tribe. And, um, we kept joking about it and I kept being like, Oh, you, this person would be so good. They would blindside. They would, you know, they would strategize against everyone. And finally, I think I talked about it enough that they were like, okay, fine. Like we'd actually be kind of interested in doing this. You've sold it well enough. Um, and that's where survivor Maryland came about. Um, and obviously hopefully, I think, you know, most people in the, in the community are at least aware of what it is. So uh, I basically started um, the first that I knew of at the time, uh, which I'll get into later on, uh, College Survivor, which is r- rather than a live reality game that takes place, you know, continuously over the course of a week, um, happened over the course of a semester and was sort of embedded into people's lives. So it's a different spin on a live reality game um, and brings a whole different flair. You know, each of them bring kind of a different set of challenges obviously live reality games themselves are more about the survival and living outside and really getting that full experience. Whereas this one really simulated the kind of long-term development of relationships and personal growth over time. Um, so I did that and doing that, I think made me almost like a snob about what I thought an LRG was because I was like, well, I run this one. Like I'm feeling like a, you know, I run a pretty good game and like, I don't want to just play like any like Joe Schmo game left or right. And so I never applied for any LRGs. I would play a little bit of like low-key ORGs, as I mentioned, on 10Gage and whatever. Um, But I never really even got in full into that world either because I just knew it would take up my whole life uh, because that's just the kind of personality I am. So I just kind of swore that I would never do another one. And I remember, I don't know who it was specifically, but I kept hearing about Survival Challenge as like really like the preeminent LRG in terms of like casting, game, challenges. Um, And I... I heard enough where I was just like, you know what? Like I am kind of interested in this and like, I always have wanted to give it a shot. And like, if the show survivor is not working out itself, maybe this is one that I should consider. And I think it was about two years of thinking about that, that I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I, I even at one point, I think at one point I applied for real foot and then I backed out um, and I was like, ah, I'm not really feeling it. I'm not, not sure I'm going to do it. But survival challenge was the first one where I was like, I'm all in, I'm definitely going to do it. By the time I submitted my application, um, I was pretty stoked about, potentially doing this. Uh, that was a really long answer to your background question. I think maybe a full five minutes, but I do, I do think it adds a lot of context to like, I came from this very specific world of, um, my own LRG and like being a host and a producer. And I really had like switched to thinking about it that way in a sense of like putting on these games versus playing in these games. And survival challenge was the first time. And I think maybe like three years at that point that I had really gone back to like, I want to play this game myself and see what I can do. Well, I think it's funny because like, this is pretty important, not just to your game to learn about, but it also ties into some of your gameplay where literally you got uh, in touch with Adam Klein, who happened to be on your season from this game. And, you know, obviously that played a part into you wanting to work with him. So that's pretty crazy as far as the odds of that happening. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on that more. And I, I think, I guess as we go into the game itself, the, as with anything, whether you're watching in person, whether you're watching on quote unquote TV, 
there's always so much that goes into each player's story and background. And so I really like that you're doing these podcasts because like everybody has that full context to their perspective. And, you know, to me, like I'm the hero of my own story. So I think I had all these reasons for doing everything and they add context. Ultimately, people are still wrong and people are still right about certain things. But ultimately, like the, the context itself is what drives people to make those decisions. And that's often really the biggest thing that's missed mm-hmm. when when you're watching anything. So um, that's a great point that you raise up that Adam talked about that. Yeah, I knew Adam going into this game. We had connected because he had watched Survivor Maryland, the show, and um, he was commenting on before he went out um, to Fiji. And then people messaged me when when he got it was revealed that he was on the cast. And we're like, yeah, this guy is a fan of yours. And I was like, oh, my God, like I remember seeing him comment. So we started messaging and talking for months after that. And so, yeah, it was really crazy that he we both ended up going for this at the same time. um, And that obviously played a big role in where I felt like I could trust people um, going into the game. And I think I only knew one other person going into the season, uh, which I also had no idea they were playing. It was uh, Laura. We had like been in the same circle a little bit in the online reality community. We both were like the original interns for Rob as a podcast in like 2010. Wow. I, no, I don't know. 2011, like before there were patrons, before there were anything, we were like people that helped Rob organize information and like get social media stuff and come up with ideas. And I had like made one pun that Rob really liked one time and he invited me to this. So the funny, as we were going to the game, I think I was with uh, Big Mike and Steve Pickett and they were like, do you want anything before the game starts? Like, do you want a drink or something? And we walked into that, whatever that thing in Maine was, that little local general shop or diner or something. <laughs> and Laura was in there at the same time. And as soon as we were like, oh my God, like we re- I, I think I recognized her. And then she was like, oh my God, Austin. And the handlers for both of us were like, ah, oh my God, no, no, no. And like quickly <laughs> hurried us away, uh, which was really funny. But yeah, Adam was a connection I had going in, which, which ended up playing a, a big part of the season. Um, now, like Ryan, feel free to fact check me here. Um, we had up till this point, very limited contestants who had LRG experience, let alone presence. So I think like Austin was probably one of the first of his breed to play survival challenge. First of his breed. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I know, like I said, I think we're just talking about a, on a different call, but I know like for my season, I think, I think there's, well, several of us had played Oryx, which is kind of how we even found the Struggle Challenge in the first place. But I think, I think two had done Real Foot. Um, but I also feel like back in, like, you know, 2015, 2016, there weren't, um, obviously allergies were, like, around, but I feel like there wasn't as big of, like, a social media presence. So, like, I honestly only found out about it by, like, personal word of mouth. Like, I mean, now I think there's enough social media friends that you can, like, kind of, like, you know, search these things or don't go to, go to different pages and find out about them. But I feel like, yeah, I was, I was always curious, like how people, you know, even just several years ago found out. Um, cause it really, like, I only found out by like happenstance word of mouth. So it's like, right. um, I think information out about it was like limited in the sense of only just really traveled by people who had already done it before. So that was a really great experience. Well, um, and like there was this huge divide between the ORG community, LRG community, and even college driver kind of became its own thing. I think up until like maybe four years ago or something, I, I feel like that was, those were really key, like three different, very different constituents and ORG players were like very into that world. College driver really hadn't become its own community yet. Cause like I had just started it myself and I was the only one at that point. So I wasn't like, there was no one else to reach out to, but as the, as more developed, they started to find each other and find this community. And 
um, even in the LRG world, like, yeah, there were all these old school creators, but a lot of those had faded off. Um, and there wasn't like a really concerted <coughs> group conversation about that. And I know Ryan, you know a little bit about this, but there was even a tension for a while about were college drivers LRGs cause they weren't continuous. And like, that was a whole thing. Cause like, one, you know, once different ones got, you know, viewership in the community, it was like, how do we, what do we actually classify these things as? And I think it's been really awesome to see over the past four or so years, those worlds really merged together where ORG players are like, I want to take my online skill that I have and bring that into the real world and try myself there. LRG players are like, well, there's more, you know, we are in a pandemic. There's more to it than just playing out in person. That's an amazing Mm -hmm. experience itself, but maybe online can also bring something. And likewise, now the college drivers are integrated. You have them playing LRGs and and infiltrating into the org world. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you get a lot more, I think, skilled survivor players trying all of these things, but, it also, of course, makes casting a lot more difficult when more people know each other than I think ever have before in this world. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had a lot of that themed in season eight with just the fact the influx of orgers and just like, oh, wow, a lot of these people have even played with each other online. And that adds a lot of complications we've never had before. Yeah, and it's so hard. And this will get into the Adam thing, too. There is it's so much harder to play any game of survivor when you know one or two people and not anyone else, because of course, if you have a built in relationship and built in trust, like the game of survivor is all about finding people you can trust. So it's, it's, it's almost like sabotaging your own self interest and not work with those people. And yet at the same time, you're feeling this constant pull of like, well, is that fair? Do I want to do this? Or can I totally trust them? And so I, unfortunately I think it stifles gameplay in a lot of ways, but you also then get these stories of, of how relationships change and across these orgs and, people are hardcore gamers enough that I think it works out, but yeah, it, it is a very interesting development in this world in general. Um, that luckily I, I found myself mostly not feeling in our season, but I think as I'll talk about, I do feel like some of the connections I had and really dictated my strategy in a way that I, um, kind of not necessarily regret, but kind of wish I could play a different game that was more cleaner. Mm. Well, I, I don't know if this is a silly question or not. Did you do anything for preparation for this game? I actually remember listening to Ryan's podcast. Um, Clearly, it didn't leave a lasting mark on me because I didn't win. So (laughs) thanks for nothing, Ryan. I worked for Bethany, so she watched it and won. So you just wrapped it. How does that work? (laughs) I guess guess one of the people who listens to it will win, but not all of them can. (laughs) It makes you eligible. That's how it works, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I watched some seasons to get a sense of what the challenges were. Um, I don't think I, a lot of the seasons weren't out in full or were kind of like haphazard. So I I didn't go too into that because I was like, I don't want to sit there predicting exactly what's going to happen. It can always change every year. Mm. Um, So I didn't do a ton of preparation. I remember um, I think I tried to learn slide puzzles like in the hotel room right before there were some puzzle things I was working to try to get a little bit better sense of. Um, but honestly, I was like, I've been thinking about playing survivor for years. I'm not going to overthink it. I don't want to go in with like a a preset strategy. And and I kind of, I always operate playing based on feel and adapting and, and seeing what people are doing and responding to. So for me, the kind of way I play the game, I don't think preparation is a key part of it. Um, as long as you kind of get yourself in the right headspace. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's get right into the thick of it. Um, you guys had a fun entry where you guys were blindfolded coming into this game. How was that part of it for you? 
Well, that was fun. I have a lot of memories of that specifically. Um, two being that one, the first person I met was Sunday. Um, and I genuinely thought from seeing her from behind that it was like a 22 year old woman. And I, I say that and she thought that I was just like flattering her, but truly like the way she was like, she had this like athletic black tank, uh, girl in the black tank as people call her. Um, and she, you know, her blonde hair. And I was like, Oh, like who's this young girl seems sporty. And then I was like, Oh, Oh wait, that's Sunday. Um, from like hearing her voice or whatever. So that was that was a, a fun memory I have. Um, and the other one was I was walking out and I heard um, a voice say, oh, my God, is that Austin from Survivor, Maryland? And I was like, what the heck? Because I, I was like, I don't know. Survivor, Maryland is like a known thing, but it's not a huge thing. So maybe nobody will really know me from that. And then all of a sudden, this guy literally shouts it out. Um, Wait, was, was and that, I'm blind. Was Dan. It was Dan. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm blindfolded at this point, so I have no idea who this person is, no idea what the context is. All I know is I'm just being totally outed, and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> um, so that blindfolded start was really fun and eventful in that way. Um, but it really did make it feel really real to start off with that, oh, my God, like, yep, I'm throwing myself into this. Uh, no backing out now. Well, what's funny is, too, like, whenever we – I think we've only ever done the blindfold thing. I don't know if we – I, I thought that was it. one other time because I remember watching okay, it. Well, for sure in Maine it's been dealt with. Well, the best story, if John ever tells you, the best blindfold story is season one. It's just, I mean, it was, you know, we were just, well, I wasn't there, but like they were trying all sorts of new things and like just because it's the first season, but it was truly some of the, the funniest stuff behind the scenes goes on in season one. Um, long story short, just kind of dive it really quick. So everyone was blindfolded in season one and they like hid them across the property then they kind of bring them all together all at once. But they told them beforehand to like not talk. So at the end, they had 23 of the 24 people and they were like, wait, we're missing somebody. And so they called this person like, you know, like, oh, John, you know, John, where are you? And he thought, you know, he was told not to talk. So he's literally sitting in like Bob's bar and just like silently. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to go like find him. It was like, it took like 20 minutes to find the guy. And that's what they did. Um, so that was, that was like the funniest blindfold. But it's, it's so funny watching it from the sidelines, people being like, blindfolded and like just literally shoved into cars and vehicles it's like i mean if like a cop drove by and they would be like what the hell is going on up there yeah it's, i can only imagine how sketchy it looks yeah it's well, well also like, also in season one they like they like put them all on like this hay, this hay bale ride thing and like drove them down the roads so, like again like literally just like these people 24 people blindfolded sitting on a hay rack driving down like this little country road i also feel um, like i remember the drive of being blindfolded to be so long like, i'm pretty sure yeah i think i don't think i was blind no was I, I can't remember if i was blindfolded or not but i remember because i get like car sick really easily and i was in the back seat and i felt like it was like 20 minutes going around yeah. in circles and i was like i'm gonna get sick um, but they actually did the drive from Bob's house to like where the challenge pit area was is only like two minutes. I don't know what they did, but no, so I think they've they also right. driven in circles, which is ridiculous day. because because like I don't know anything about where Bob's like campsite is. Like I I had no I would have known no directions to begin with, so it isn't like they needed to spin me around. Right, yeah, I think the blindfold would have sufficed, but no, we really like to give you the full immersion <laughs> of being truly like out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and everyone knows kin- being kidnapped is an important part of Survivor. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a core element. So uh, once you were unblindfolded, uh, what was your first take on your, uh, not tribe, but starting group? Yeah, I... Hey, is that John Rayner for Survivor Thailand? <laughs> well, it's so funny that John mentioned that. On, um, <laughs> that was not my first impression because uh, I, was, I love that John mentioned this on the Adam podcast that I, I genuinely had no idea 
that it was John Raymond. And like, I'm a huge Survivor fan. I think obviously knowing like that I started my own thing and, and having heard the, the extended background I mentioned, like clearly I love the show and I love everything about it, but I was very late to the show and I binged all the seasons at a disgustingly quick pace during like final exam weeks in college. And so it makes my like memory of specific details from some of the earlier seasons a little bit hazier than some people who could recite everything. Although I, I have a pretty good recall, but literally I'm like with this guy and he's an older man and I, you know, everyone's a survivor fan here. So I see his survivor Thailand buff. And I was like, wow, I got to strike up a conversation like bomb with this guy. And I don't know how I didn't put it together that we obviously were going to have two survivors on our tribe because I, I did know the general layout at that point. Um, but I, I guess I just thought maybe they were not evenly weighted to start with because these are not a real tribes. And I was like, oh, man, nice survivor Thailand buff. And he was like, thanks so much. And I don't think he corrected me at the time. Or maybe it was like as we talked a little bit, maybe I was like, what's your connection to this? How'd you hear about this? And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's the guy from Survivor Thailand. I am the biggest moron of all time. Um, so that was a rough start to my game. And uh, I also just remember I, I had Sunday in my opening group with me. Um, and we had Abby as well, who really stood out right away. And I had this really weird, almost like out of body experience where I became suddenly paranoid and nervous um, for almost no reason, where I was just like talking my feelings out loud. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm like worried I'm going to die. And it was like a coping mechanism, even though I didn't actually feel this way. And so there's a confessional in the first episode of Sunday being like, man, this Austin guy, he just does not shut up. <laughs> and uh, it must have been, I think, because as we started off, I just I just wouldn't stop talking. And obviously as we can tell right now, I talk a lot, but not usually to the point where like it, it annoys people or that's like, you know, absurd in a social setting, but I, I could feel myself having a social reaction that was totally abnormal to me. Um, so I guess like for future survivor games I play, it was nice to get that out of my system right away, but I, I was really stunned, like feeling myself kind of slip into this weird um, nervous state that I'd never been in before. Um, yeah, I think, uh, especially as someone who like, uh, like I'm an extrovert, but like, I think when I get really excited, I, I, I talk a lot. And so being out there first time, I think one of my regrets is just how much I talked in general. I wish I could just kind of, I don't know, take a big chill pill and waited for that initial hype to curb out, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I, if you're listening now, actually, that's a great piece of advice if you're if you're going out to play is be very conscious about um your excitement levels going into it because it's going to be high it's going to make you do stupid stuff whether it be challenge related or socially related um give yourself some time to warm up before swinging for the fences <laughs> yeah i think and they have to be like conscious too of the fact that like i mean everyone is looking at you like with super scrutiny and like mm -hmm. anything to like make you stand out good or bad is going to be talked about at least. So like, even if someone's like, Oh, he's really social, you're going to like make note of like, okay, that guy's, you know, maybe going to be a really great social player. Like there was definitely one guy in our group that was like that too, where he just like was super excited to be there, but I can immediately tell him like, this guy is going to just play a bonkers game because he won't shut up. Um, and like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert anyway. So it was like easy for me to kind of like lay back a little bit. Um, but there is a, there's a fine line there. Like you want to be standing out and like enough away to people like, Oh, this guy like seems like he has a good vibe or he seems cool, but not standing out so much that you are like, okay, that guy, he seems like great and super nice, but he like drives me crazy. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to kind of like, even if, you know, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, I think you just have to like know 
being able to like read the room and understand, okay, this, these people are going to be receptive to people who are really chatty. This group that I'm with, maybe not so much. Kind of just like being able to like learn. Like, like Austin said, I've, I like, I've always said it too, where it's like the biggest part of the game is just being able to adapt to situations. Um, and I think once you can like get a hold on that, you're probably going to go pretty far in the game. Yeah, I think the key is that you have to be able to read a room and also read where you fit in the room. And um, th- those are both different skills that go together, but some people can really effectively, you know, perceive what others are doing, but may not be able to either change themselves to fit in there or understand how they do fit in. Um, and so I, I think self-awareness is a, is a really key part of being good at Survivor. Um, and also being able to, you know, even if you feel that you're seeming one way, if you get those cues that you aren't coming off that way, and then kind of touching on this, I would say, you should always know how you are and, and whether you are an extrovert, introvert and how you think that you will kind of present yourself, but you can't control how exactly you're going to present yourself or what situations you're going to get thrown into right away or something that accidentally happens that makes someone think a certain way about you. You have to be able to kind of move on the fly with that. And, and for me, it was modulating myself that, like William said, I was so excited that I was just like bursting out with energy and I had to kind of dial that back. Um, and luckily, I think I was able to find in that initial group, there were people who each had their own kinks and kinks. That's not the right word. That's not the word that I meant. <laughs> you, hey, you just got really, really you know, is what I was going to say, but uh, whatever. <laughs> I guess it is it's what you're working is what you were looking for. I think I was mixing quirks and idiosyncrasies, but um, yeah. anyway, people have their own things about them, like saying words that they don't mean to say. Um, and that kind of was, I was able to kind of step back after a second, take a deep breath and be like, all right, now that we're in this, we can, we can start to, be very intentional about things. So we have this initial challenge sequence uh, that you guys have to do um, through the woods. Uh, first is a slide puzzle. And then there's a uh, rope slash canoeing bit. And then there's a wood stacking bit. That's a puzzle. Um, and yeah. What was your experience for these, this opening challenge set? There are some great memories within that. And I do, love just I find like even when I was running Survivor the opening to be such a fun part is you get to know people and and see how they present themselves um and we saw so many funny things I think William you were with our group right I was yeah Yeah. (laughs) so there were so many funny things like with the slide puzzle rather than do what you're supposed to with the slide puzzle um we had I think it must have been John had taken over um and take it picked up the board and dumped all the pieces out which throws off like you could not necessarily have the right answer to the slide puzzle if you mess up the piece order. Um, And everybody had their own sense of what the directions were. And that map was extremely unhelpful is all I remember from that. Um, So I remember all of the kind of funny challenge moments there, but I I most distinctly remember um, you could really see Sunday and Abby getting close right away. And this is where perception really is key. You, You really start to see who breaks off with each other. And it was Sunday and Abby and like Dan was with them a little bit too. And I knew very little about Dan at that time. So I was like, oh man, like these are the three. And I, I think I remember actually saying something to you. I like was like walking next to you at the back of the pack and I was by myself, which I already was worried about. And I was like, those three seem like they're together. I got to get in, get in with that alliance. Mm. And eventually I was able to talk to them and like, we did have almost an alliance to start off with. And it did dictate how I looked at some of those challenges where when the canoe option came up, I believe Sunday and Abby volunteered or something. And I was like, well, I want to go get in that boat as well. Um, and uh, so, you know, you start to get a sense of, of what strategy is going to look like. I remember very clearly on learning that um, 
Sunday really seemed like a gamer and I had seen her on the show, but I, I didn't know that side of her at that point. Um, and I, it was nice that we had the time to have a little bit of smaller groups at times where you could start to see that because a lot of the game you play, you're so in the same, like there's no time to split off. Um, and that limits strategy in a lot of places. So to have that initial feel, I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I will say off the top that this is kind of in terms of your question, like a lot of what I remember from the game is more about these small interactions with people and less about the challenges or I definitely missed a lot of advantages along the way. And, but that's one thing I really don't have a lot of regrets on. I spent a lot of time sitting there and just watching other people. And I kind of chose, make the choice that I was going to miss things about the, the advantages or the game or the challenge details. Someone was going to have to repeat them for me because ultimately I want to know where everybody's at at all times. Um, and I think that really helped me during the game. Um, but you, it's very, some people can really effectively do all of that at once, but to really pick up on the nuances of people when there's such key strategy being made in, in tiny moments. Um, I found that the watching people part really um, helped me the most. I don't think I ever absorbed any challenge explanation that John delivered. <laughs> and it was crazy. <laughs> the same way. Well, hey, hey, I'm just like, you know, you're tired, exhausted, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're just like, also because the game's so short, you're having, you're like every second you're trying to like get like that kind of like quick little whispering going on. It's so, like all the time I'd be like, whispering on the sideline or like talking to them. I get the challenge. I'd be like, Oh shit. Like what, what do we do? I had the exact same experience, Ryan. And I remember thinking it was so stupid because I was the person who was giving challenge instructions before. And I was, I always would be annoyed when people didn't get it. And now, you know, playing it. Yeah. I, I think I literally heard zero challenge explanations every single time I had to go back and ask the tribe, what did he just say? What were the details or whatever? Um, because either whispering or thinking or um, watching people, uh, my mind was just spinning in a lot of different directions. And I, just failed at the most core uh, be present in the moment part, I guess. <laughs> uh, don't worry. We always, uh, I think uh, this year, especially we, uh, I say this year, last year, especially we really have to hit home as a production team. Uh, opening we were, challenges need to be simpler. <laughs> yeah. We really got to dumb it down for these guys. <laughs> also maps. Nope. Those are, may as well just be a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> those maps were not helpful. It was not our fault. It was, it was, it was actively misleading. Ryan, not Ryan. Um, Austin, we had a Google map, like Google map map of where people needed to go and people still got lost. Yeah. So yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I think back, I think back in season five, it was like a very like, um, almost like Picasso-esque interpretation of the property. So it was just like, it was like, here's a rough outline of a trail with an X and yeah, it was, it looked, I mean, it looked kind of cool as like a piece of art, but it probably was not helpful as like, and it would say like make this turn, but you would have no idea if that was supposed to be in 10 minutes or three hours. It's like very like, it's also just kind of like, you know, like I said, roughly etched out where like, there's like seven turns here, which one is the turn. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that also, I, I know there were a lot of missed advantages in, in our season and part of it for me, I was like, we just needed to freaking find <laughs> anything. We had, we had basic needs that we were yeah. not. Well, uh, I think, yeah, I think we always call it the fog of war. It just, just like, they're just, your mind is in so many other places and what's directly in front of you yeah. that we kind of underestimate or I guess overestimate people's ability to like just see what's in front of them versus trying to like think of like the thousand different everything's going it's, on. It's like the logic puzzle or not the logic puzzle, the almost brain teaser thing. Or if you ever seen that YouTube video where they're showing a bunch of like red and blue people and they say count them and then they have those black. Or, the, yeah, or they're like, you know, where, did you see the gorilla in the background? You're like, what exactly. The and then it's like, oh, that's yeah, I was it the whole time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're being trained to look at this very particular task, you're going to 
you have like tunnel vision as opposed to everything else. And I'm like that in general where people at work will be like talking to me and I'll be so zoned in on an email that I will totally miss conversations that happen directly next to me. And uh, I think that applied to Survivor too, where I was like micro focusing on things and just totally missing things that were directly in front of me or next to me as a result. So after all the challenges were done, uh, how did you feel like you guys did in the challenges? Uh, I know you said you weren't really trying to be super involved with them, but did you feel like, hey, this is a strong challenge group or how are you feeling about your group after that? I think if I remember, we did pretty well on each of the challenges. I think I... I remember I, I was willing to be involved and I like being helpful in challenges, but I didn't want to be an over the top leader and people were doing that already. So I didn't feel like I needed to be. I want to say your group was like, well, I think your group made it back. There was the three groups. I think yours was first. One was like not too far behind, but there was one that was like, it took forever. I don't know what, if it got lost, even more like you guys did. But like, yeah, I feel like, I, feel, I thought you guys, I thought you guys like got to like the next, there wasn't like, like I don't think the goal of that one that I recall was like to get to the place first. Um, no. It was more to get there with like as many like I think tokens as whatever there was up for grabs. Um, but I, I want to say you guys are the first ones to make it out of the woods. I think we were. We were the first or like right after the other group. But the we were so stunned because we thought we had been taken so long and yet we were first. I think I think that's correct. Um, but I remember I just felt like we did really well on all the different things. It was hard to get a sense of whether we'd be good or not because like we had a really tough time digging up one of the keys <coughs> of whatever you had to like find all these ropes and connect them to something. Everybody worked well together. Um, but it was just, I don't have a ton of memories of, you know, those first challenges because I think all of us thought this is probably not a tribe we're actually going to vote on. Um, at that mm-hmm. point, you know, we knew that those first couple days weren't going to have eliminations and you have to imagine that things are going to swap a little bit before then. Uh, yeah, you would think that wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, I know that's not always the case. <laughs> Uh, you're you're literally talking to the two survival challenge people who have had seasons with uh, no swaps so uh. (laughs) wait Ryan yours didn't either nope no we had like kind of a fake one where I was well like like you said at the top of the hour that like you know kidnapping is part of survival experience Um, so I got like kidnapped to to go spend the night with I guess two from each tribe had like our own little we call it the kidnap camp um but the next morning we all came back to our original tribe. So it was like kind of a like false sense of like swapping or something shaking up, but ended up being not, nothing at all. Oh, interesting. Well, at least you got an indication of that was it. And that's what all you're going to get. We did. We just kept holding our hopes that there was going to be a swap happening. And the twist was there just was no twist about it, which is kind of brilliant, but also yeah, we're, annoying. We're as devils like that. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I would say I, I didn't know that I wasn't going to be on this tribe until we got to the choosing part. Right. Um, Which is what comes next. So yeah, yeah talk about yeah. that. Well, basically we got into this little like arena area and uh, um, stump corral, some corral. Yes. That's the name. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and we had all these tokens and we were, it was very annoying because we had one. I, yeah. Our group had had the most tokens. I remember that now. And, but it didn't really get us anything because we didn't end up getting to use them as a tribe. Basically, John had said, um, there's all these different camps. There's the, the nothing camp where you don't get anything cool. There's, uh, we had made, I think placed our tokens yeah, it was, on it was advantages. Fire. One camp had only fire. One camp had only food, food? like fruit. Yeah. Like that. One had a shelter oh. and then one had nothing. I think it was the yeah. four. Cancels. And, um, I remember immediately going to the nothing tribe with um, a few of us were like, we're going to go to the nothing tribe because 
these mild survival elements are not really going to be that helpful compared to having anyone that you can trust. Um, and so I was like, well, okay, Sunday and Abby are people that I think I have a good click with, you know, vibe with already. So I'm going to go with them wherever they go. And we had just decided everybody else is probably going to choose something with the survival element helpfulness. Um, we're good with nothing. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Um, and so we ran over to nothing camp, nothing beach. And it was very awkward because as with any of them, you know, certain people wanted to be part of that. And I think everybody had a good sense of Sunday and Abby from the start. And so I was not the only person who felt that way, but I got there really quickly. Well, that was kind of like the whole, you know, plot device behind making that kind of like, you know, twist, whatever you want to call it. But like, because we had, like, we had started starting our groups of three tribes or three groups of eight. And that division became then four groups of six. So like, no matter what you had to like expel two people, if you like, if you want to all eight be together, you could, you had to expel or like kind of push out at least two, um, which I think is how it kind of shook out. Like there, I think for the most part, each of the, each of the groups were like at least almost a full six from the eight. So then there was kind of like one group that was kind of just like the odd balls out from each of their, I think, I think some, maybe some groups went like four and four, um, yeah, we, that's what we did. We, we went four and four to have a presence on okay, two of the tribes. I remember, I remember you, you guys didn't have like a full six from your group of eight originally. I think it was Nick and someone else that wasn't in your initial group. We had, um, yeah, Nick C and Alex. Uh, what, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Nick C and Alex both were over with us um, and were not part of our original group. Um, and, and we were very intentional. And I think we were the first tribe to actually do that where we split four and four to keep presence, which was also how we justified like certain people wanted to come over for more. And I was like, well, no, I definitely want to be with Sunday and Abby, but um, Mike and John, like you guys should go and Trisha, you guys should go have your own majority group in this other spot, which is very funny to think how that ended up, you know, affecting things long-term where maybe if I start off on that tribe with John, things go a little bit differently. um, And we don't go these kind of separate ways longer term. Um, so after your group gets chosen and you go back to camp, how are the social dynamics there? Well, this is where I developed what I called the creeper strategy, um, which was, which is not an uncommon thing, uh, that everybody talks about the looks and the eye contact, but I was like really trying to overdo my eye contact. Like just basically like, I I didn't really know how my facial expressions are coming across. So rather than just like give someone like a knowing look, I'd really raise my eyebrows or really nod like more aggressively. So I just felt like I was coming off as this total creep. Um, But I think it was actually working. And Sunday and I had like eight different meaningful eye contact exchanges, which I want to say once you get to seven, that's when you form an alliance. Um, That's what I'm dubbing as an official, official policy now. But, um, it was a very interesting vibe. We were trying to, uh, we had nothing as stated. So we were trying to come up with the shelter. We were trying to come up with, um, fire and we spent a long time trying to figure out fire. Uh, and it turns out we were using sticks. It actually couldn't produce fire. So even when we got a little bit of smoke, it was meaningless. Um, but we had a good, uh, Liza, Liza was the fourth person from original tribe there with us, I believe. Um, and so I felt like I was starting to get a little bit of sense of people, um, from that group, um, everybody was really nice socially and we were chatting a lot. Um, Alex was definitely very nervous about being, you could sense that he knew he wasn't in a great spot. Whereas I feel like Nick C had a lot more calm presence and he like really threw himself into the fire and gained a lot of respect that way. And I could see Sunday and Abby being like, Whoa, this Nick guy, he's really good. Um, whereas Alex seemed like he felt a little bit more nervous about being on the outs. 
um, and didn't really want to be there. So I, I started to kind of get either eye contact or talking to everybody. And we had a little bit as we were gathering woods of like very quick side conversations, but no like alliance talk. I don't think anybody really felt comfortable doing that. It was more like individually very pointed getting to know each other. Um, and I remember bonding with Alex about being a camp counselor there. And he was like the two of us, like, I feel like an outsider. I would love to work with you. Um, so I kind of put that in my mental pocket. Um, and I think that was all I was really going to say there. Um, we got laughed at for not making fire and not really having an effective shelter. And I think that was the night that it rained. So that was tough. Um, I have such great memories from that night of like, uh, that's when I really got close with Sunday. We were share all sharing this care bears blanket. And, um, I was like sleeping with this like giant root in my back. And so I kept adjusting and being really annoying. And I had to like make Sunday like spoon with me a certain way differently to make it work. Um, so I had a blast that night for sure. Um, but we definitely didn't get into the kind of weeds of strategy at that point. I, I feel like I, Oh, I was going to say, I was really looking for idols at that point. I was like, okay, well, we're going back to our camp for the first time. There's gotta be something. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there were zero advantages over in those spots, but I was like hardcore looking throughout that whole day. Yeah. I don't think we had anything. I, that was, that was my first year on like production side. So I maybe wasn't as pretty as to like, you know, where the idol was. I'm, but I'm pretty, yeah, I don't think we had anything because we wouldn't, we wouldn't have had four. Like, what, there wouldn't have been like one at each camp. Um, so I feel, like, had, yeah, I feel like you guys just had, we had a clue on with. the trail during that first set of challenges. Yeah, I think you guys did a lot more of like when in centralized locations that year versus at like a tribe camp. Yeah. Cool. Um, so now that you got to see everyone that's in the game, did you have any reactions based off of the people who weren't on your tribe? Oh, wait, who were or were not? Were not. Uh, well, I obviously saw Adam and I was like, oh man, okay. Like, this is someone that I know I can work with. I'm really excited to see him here. Uh, we made a little bit of eye contact and I, to, I think we even had... Seven? The what? Did you get to seven? No, we were only at about three at that point. So um, <laughs> we needed to do more to establish it, but it's a, it's a good initial step, I think. Um and uh, I think we even at one point like made jokes back and forth with our tribe, like like trash talk jokes. Um, so I remember that a little bit. I didn't really have a huge impression of anybody else to start off with. I obviously recognized um, some of the other survivors. And one of the people who stood out to me was uh, Mama C. I just right away, she had a huge personality. She was very willing to be vocal. And I was very interested to see how she responded to a game like this. Um, she was the one I think who really stood out to me most out of the group. Nice. Um, so, you know, we've teased it a little bit, but like, what was your thoughts upon seeing Adam? Yeah. So, um, I'll kind of give a big picture thing here. I was really excited to see him. I knew he was somebody that I could trust and pretty quickly. I think we both felt uh, a mutual interest. And I also, I had talked to Sunday um, after we had seen him and, I, and obviously it was no secret that Sunday had a connection with Adam. <laughs> so I, I told her that I knew Adam as well, or like was friendly with Adam as well. Or I don't know how much I got into, but I basically was like, I really would like to work with you and I would like to work with Adam. And she was like, well, I would like to do the same. So that was a bonding element in that regard. And so right away, I think my strategy was latched on to Adam in that sense. Um, but as you're on a tribe, you know, separately from each other that had no, it, other than talking to Sunday, there was really no bearing on mm -hmm. um, 
what we were going to do strategically otherwise, besides that it made me feel a bit better about Sunday. I think, I, I, I think actually I should talk about it more when we get on the same tribe together, because that's where it really starts to kick into effect. But I, I will say, I think one of the biggest things that is not totally understood about the season is the dynamics of the, the dynamics of Umbay in general. And I think Adam touched a lot on this, but um, which was very helpful, but the reasons why myself and why Bethany worked with Adam makes sense from both a strategic and a personal state standpoint. But really for me, from a strategic standpoint, I thought that it made the most sense for me throughout. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk about that more when we kind of go into the strategy in that regard. But obviously it was in my mind as I need to build as many relationships as I can and figure out who I can really trust with the goal that I'm pretty sure I'll have somebody with another set of relationships that's coming to join me later on. Cool. So uh, anything else you want to touch on for that first night that happened uh, and experiences or fun memories you want to share? Uh, it just all comes back to the Care Bears blanket for me. Um, <laughs> and it was great, uh, but it got really soaking wet. And uh, it was very cold that morning. And in Maine, it does not get super warm in the nights in the morning, especially when it's raining. The rain in Maine stays, stays mainly uh, in Bob's camp. Yeah, you go. Uh, <laughs> something there. Uh, so I don't have a ton of memories but uh, or, or things I want to touch on. But uh, yeah, I think for people who... Uh, people should definitely be aware as they're applying for a going to survival challenge that it's not a joke from a, uh, an outdoors perspective and you really have to want to do it because it, it does get tough when it's cold and when it's raining. But I will say I just, I think being so excited and loving survivor and also knowing that it was shorter. Uh, and I wish honestly I'd played the, the extra day version that they've had since, but um, I knew I was not really going to get bothered at all by the elements because really how bad could it be for a few days? And I'm actually, I'm, I eat a ton. Like I am uh, like uh, Ryan can vouch for the amount I ate the day after the game. It was disgusting, but I never really had any concerns about being hungry out there. Like I didn't really eat anything for four days. And I, well, and I think you're just, you're just running on adrenaline and especially as like, you know, the, the bigger the fan you are, the more you forget that you're like, you, you, didn't ha- you existed before this even thing. Like, yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's the elements are no joke. I mean, like, yeah, sleeping when it's like 44 degrees out and you're like in a hoodie and sweatpants, it's not, yeah. it's not, I wouldn't say it's fun. Um, and it's an experience. Going, but going on a cruise is fun. Survivor's not fun. Exactly. Yeah. Just kidding. Survivor was very like, fun. Like, it's, it's fun in the sense, of like, you know, at, once you're out of it, you're like, holy crap, I did that. That's so cool. Um, but, I, but to your point, I, I don't, yeah, it's like, I wouldn't really ever like deter anybody for thinking, oh, it's going to be too hard. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're like, I don't know, like just really sensitive to like the elements or there's like a medical reason why you wouldn't do well with little sleep or like maybe no food for a day, then maybe, you know, question it. Um, I, I also lost 11 pounds in four days. I, I lost, okay. Well, I lost like, I think I lost like, I mean, I, I knew where, how much I weighed before roughly. And I went to the doctor afterwards. I had to get like a shot for tetanus. Um, and I was, yeah, I was down like 10 pounds. I'm not, I don't, I don't even weigh that much to begin with. So like 10 pounds, yeah, like, that's holy crazy shit. for you. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I, I think, I think it's like, yeah, I don't really, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's no joke. It's just like, I mean, I don't think, but, but I definitely, yeah, the food. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, bad. Um, yeah, no, it's like, it's, you don't feel that, you, but you're out of the game. And you're like, Oh crap, that, that was real. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I, yeah. pro- I probably say, I mean, I think I lost like probably like for sure five pounds. Maybe I was just like off on what I thought I was going in. Um, but yeah, that's you, you definitely, definitely, it's a nice little like cleansing for, for a couple of days. 
Yeah. And I even, I felt so good throughout. Like I, I didn't feel like I slept more than like two hours a night. I was just racing through my head thoughts the whole time or it was cold or whatever, but I never felt tired. Like I, I, yeah, I was during, shocked at how little. I think in the morning, I remember yeah. feeling. I remember like, I, well, I wouldn't wake up. I would just be like, whenever the sunrise, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't sleep at all. I'm exhausted. Then when it would have yeah. been like the challenge, though, you're totally fine. I, the funniest thing for me was like, I would almost drift away to sleep, but then my body would be like, oh wait, no, it's cold. So it's going to start, let's start shaking. So like, I would like, I would literally like shiver myself awake, which I don't <laughs> think we have that big of a problem in Macomb. I will correct if I'm wrong. Um, like in Maine, it would be like 75, maybe even 80 during the day in the sun. At night, it would go to like 45. Where I think in Macomb, it's like that same hot in the, in the day. But I feel like at night, it maybe gets into like the high 50s. Um, yeah, it's I feel like it's definitely not as cold as yeah. Maine was. I mean, just as someone who lives in New Hampshire, next door to Maine, uh, it's not unusual for New England temperatures to just really drop drastically overnight, despite how warm it is that same day. Um, I don't see as much of that in Illinois, mostly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've definitely had the past couple seasons, though, definitely more rain in Illinois. Though, like, where I mean, honestly, between the two, I think I'd rather be cold and dry than even warm and wet. It's, cause it's just oh, like, I agree. And whenever you're wet, you just, and you can't physically dry off. It's like the worst feeling. Whereas, like, at least the cold is like, okay, it's, it's going to get warmer, you know, by noon, and it'll be great. Uh, where okay. if you're just wet and it's like not sunny out, it's a pretty. Yep. you know, grueling experience, which again, like once you're done with it, it's like, it makes for, I, I mean, like I almost wish my season was more grueling than besides just like, you know, some cold nights just because I, I could come out of it and be like, wow, I survived the cold, <laughs> the rain, like the extreme heat. Yep. Um, like it's when you're in it, it's like, this is kind of miserable, but when you're out of it, you feel so much stronger having gone through it. Uh, Austin, kind of an interesting storyline that we have been able to talk on the podcast yet is there was some like drama between some people who want to be included in some of the groups, but had to be pushed out because only so many number of people could be on certain groups. One of those people that ended up on your tribe was uh, Alex. And he had quite the, uh, the sentiment to say in his night one confessionals about basically just being forced onto <laughs> your group. Uh, what was your take on that whole situation? Well, I mean, obviously, I think anytime there's a uh, someone who was on the outs with another tribe, it's an opportunity. And so I really was interested in working with Alex from the start. And I tried really hard to form a relationship with Alex and with Nick, um, who would both Nick's Nick's for whatever reason didn't seem as like acrimonious of a split. I think they just drew rocks or something. Um, I don't remember the, the details of each, each of those, but both of them had kind of different feelings of leaving those tribes. Um and Alex, especially, it seemed like Nick was very easily gravitating towards people in our tribe, which it's in a way almost even concerned me. But um, for Alex, he, he seemed like he was always going to be on the outs. So I was interested in kind of developing that long term um, and having kind of another person to fall back upon for those relationships. Um, but it was hard to know. It, it was hard to know at that point without knowing what the kind of future tribes would be how much are those original tribes? You, you almost have to figure out how long you don't really know how long you're going to stay with each of those groups. So whereas in real survivor, you know, the original tribe you might spend the first 12 days with this, it was like d debating between whether you were with those groups for 12 hours or eight hours or 16 hours or 10 minutes, like you didn't really know. And so it was hard to project kind of which relationships would form and, and hold the most uh, strongly over time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you don't have anything to add, do you want to get into day two? Sure. Cool. So 
that morning, what are you picturing happening for the day? You said you watched some of the uh, the footage of the last seasons, uh, so you probably have a good idea that you probably don't have to worry about tribal council quite yet. Um, but what did you have in your mind that morning as far as potential twists go? Yeah, I was pretty sure there were no eliminations, and I even actually was looking back at my email the other day, and I had asked John, like, just to confirm, there's <clears throat> there's no eliminations Thursday and Friday, right? And he was like, I cannot confirm or deny. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, the, the, yes. uh, the answer is always traditionally we've never yeah. done that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't remember exactly what I thought going into it. Um, I was very excited that there were so many challenges. I guess I just kind of thought we were going to live for most of the day. I don't know if I realized that we would be like front and center doing that much stuff, which I think that was a failure of a thought on my part. But regardless, I feel like this day two was really where the game started for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to touch on some of the, the things that happened there, because even before our, we got in our actual tribes, I thought there was a lot more that kind of ended up dictating the long term strategy um, than those kind of initial groups. Cool. Um, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, so we split into um, a guy's tribe and uh, or a man's tribe and a woman's tribe. Mm. And um, that was the first split right away, right? Yep, that you yep. guys kind of got pulled yeah, that in, was John's talking to you, and then, boop, men versus woman. Yeah, and um, I had obviously experienced some of these men before, um, but <laughs> you started to get a... Did you just laugh, Ryan? No, I don't know what that... No, <laughs> <laughs> was Bill, if anything, and I was even a no, laugh. No, okay. no, it's not like a cough. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, uh, so we started in these groups, and... You definitely, from that sense, I think people were starting to feel at that point that, okay, well, now that we're in challenges together, and I think we got shirts too, which was uh, unusual maybe for, you know, things that weren't on tribe together. Is that, is that a, am I being correct on that? Um, okay, yeah, we, we don't really have a rhyme or reason. We just, you know, we just want pretty colors basically. Yeah. We got shirts and to us, shirts meant tribe at least possibly well I mean, yeah generally the shirts have a tribe name so i mean we you know yeah i mean for you know we're, whatever we can to that for that for that day you guys were a tribe of 12 men you weren't just like a group i mean we you know yeah you were the first official tribe of the game yeah so th- there just were a little bit more stakes to it even though it was still just reward challenges uh and so at the same time we all were spending the entire day in these groups of 12 men uh or 12 women and there's just really not a lot of time to form off and like even have whisper conversations. You can barely get anything because the other thing is like who wants to be the first to actually like get in the weeds and be and, and like whisper in front of everybody. It's a really hard thing to do because as to, to Ryan's point from earlier, you don't want to stand out. And if you stand out as the first person scheming, then like you're such an easy target. So everybody's still doing the eye contact thing and getting a sense of each other and ask, like making small talk to get a sense. And I remember meeting Dave and we both connected on like the topic of Maryland and um, that he was that, like, all, and like his military connections. And um, you start to get all these sense of people. What I was really surprised by is that there were people who seemed to be really scheming and somehow had had these whisper connections, either stemming from their original tribes or not. And at some point in the middle of the day, I had heard, I'd started to hear um, whispers from a few different people. I think Wayne was one of the people who pulled me over and was like, basically, we've got a group of guys um, and we're looking to target Adam. And this is where, obviously, I talked about knowing Adam. And so Adam and I had come together and we're on the same group. And we were even on the same group, like the subgroup within the men's tribe. We were on the same group of six. 
So, but we still didn't have a time to really split off and talk. So it was more just like we found ourselves like standing together a lot of the time and kind of like looking at, you know, doing the, I think we had gotten to seven eye contacts at that point, Ryan. At some okay. point early on. So that you're, morning. Like, you're like, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's when we knew we were good. And um, so Wayne had talked about one side and he was like, oh, well, we're going to target Adam. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I really wish I remembered who the other side was. Um, but there was another, another person who was like forming more of the like coalition on Adam's side. And they were wanted, wanting to take out LJ or something like that. Whatever it was, there were clearly two groups that had formed. And I remember sitting there and I was somehow in the middle of both. And I was like, I don't even like actually talk strategy with anybody. How am I in the middle of a swing vote already? And Nick C and I really bonded. We did actually get a, check, a, a, a second to talk to each other. And we both realized we were both in the middle of these two groups. So basically Nick C and I, were the swing votes in this, these mythical alliances that had formed. And I hadn't told Adam about that yet or like, or anything on that front, because I was really just kind of feeling everybody out at that point. But I was just fascinated by how much strategy had formed without anyone actually having real strategic conversations. Um, well, it's always funny. I mean, like whenever we've had survivor, I think you played similarly to how I did where it's like, I'm going to connect with people based on like my personal connection to them, where I think other people kind of go in, you know, when we back in Maine and even when we, you know, we had, when we had Dylan McComa happen there too, where it's like, Ooh, a survivor got to get them out first. And like, I don't really, I mean, I, I get, I get the logic behind it because like they've their experience, they know how to play the game. But I think, you know, by doing that, you potentially miss out on some, not even, not even just like a good, like, personal connection but it's a really like potentially strong ally in the game too so i feel like people i mean this is just me you know talking on my own opinion but like i feel like if you immediately jump on that anti-survivor bandwagon it could end up costing you later in the game where i feel like you know you're playing with 24 people it's not like we have like it's not set up in a way of like 18 fans versus six survivors or like you know fans versus favors type of thing like it's very much like they're a part of the experience just along with everybody else. So I think it's like, I think like personally, I think it's important. And I think it'd be beneficial to anyone's game to try to branch out and like, yeah. you know, at least like have the, like consider working with them as much as you would the next guy versus just being like, Nope, don't, don't want to talk to them. I don't want to play with them just because they're a threat where like maybe that person becomes your meat shield. And like, that's the reason why you go far because all eyes are on them while you're kind of pulling the strings from behind. Well, I mean, that sounds like, like a good strategy, Ryan. Yeah, it, it sounds. Like, I mean, it sounds like a way you would win the game unanimously by employing that strategy. So I was going to say, you're not just talking the talk, man. That was that was your tribe with Twyla and Spencer, and I think you got your tribe. Um, Opa, I think, is one of the shining examples of how to utilize survivors as a part of your survival challenge strategy. You know. Yeah, like I, I think we were the most blended of the three because I feel like like Ahaso, you know, they were very much like but survivors first, and then Sal was kind of like they're survivors. <laughs> let's let them lead because they know what they're doing. Yeah, While exactly. me, I'm just like, hey, I like Spencer, I like Twilight. Let's just like be a blended Opa tribe here, and like that's right. that's what worked for the entire game. So I think it's like, you know, again, it's just all about who do you you know personally connect with versus like who's like on paper good or bad potentially. Well, you, you both touched on a lot of really interesting points. One is that I think <laughs> I've always kind of had the mindset that you you can't win in the pre-merge, but you can definitely lose. And I think my pre-merge strategy, and I think this is true for a lot of people, is you need to just form as many connections as you can with the goal that you're going to pare those down later on with the ones that you actually feel good about. Yeah. Um, you just want to have as many options as possible to start. And yeah, that probably is going to mean that you're going to turn on some at some point, but you're going to be in a much better spot to control your own destiny 
if you have those options to choose from where wherever happens with the swap or how alliances break down or advantages or whatever, you can pivot to to whatever group is going to actually be the safest or the highest probability of winning or or whatever it is. Um, if you only have one option, there's just a lot lot more ways where you can be screwed out of it. Well, I think like yeah. to your point too about like just like using your body language whenever you can't actually like communicate with somebody, I think is a really good tool that maybe is underutilized sometimes where like I know people would tell like that. I know this always sticks out to me for some reason, but I remember like um and when we merged, Kelly, who I had, like never spoken to, like like we you know actual like meaningful words, she came up to me and she's like, you know, she's like, I just, I'm like so excited to finally meet you because you just seem like you've been like really like nice. You smile a lot, you laugh, and like you're, I can just like read in your eyes that you're a really genuinely good person. Like not that I'm like not those things. Well, and she was wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks. But I mean, I think it's, I mean I wasn't really like, but I mean I think I kind of was intentionally conscious of let's smile a lot, let's be like look, look super cheery. And like, you know, naively nice to like hide the fact that I'm like totally gaming everybody here. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's kind of, I think it's good to be, like, like you said, just being able to read the room and adapt to the room that you're in yeah. um, just goes a super long way. And those vibes really matter. And we'll touch on that. Like that I, for whatever reason, like whatever Bethany was giving off, which is not usually like smile all the time. Like that's not really her M.O., but you know, yeah, like, she, she I, I had to really like work hard to make that my, my thing. She and I yeah. just, way where we both have, yeah. you know, chronic resting bitch face. Love you back. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, maybe that's what <laughs> I am attracted to is a uh, chronic resting bitch face because I like, I instantly was like, as soon as we got in the same tribe, I was like, I really trust you. Like, this is a thing. I have no idea why. Um, but the other point that you brought up with the survivors was, yeah, there was a lot of talk about survivors or not survivors. And and honestly, I will say less so from our cast and more so from production. It was a, uh, I think because of past seasons and also just because of how much of there is, uh, this is built around fandom, this game, there was so much conversation about, well, the survivors, what are the survivors like? And what did, what did, do you want to work with the survivors? Do you want to not? And I was like, I don't have an opinion because I want to maybe want to work with some survivors and I maybe don't want to work with other survivors. Like they're not a monolith to me sure any way you can bond with people and find commonality means that we should be thinking about maybe there is a survivor alliance a survivors alliance at some point but that wasn't the case three seconds into the game as they weren't even together and i just don't understand why you would never evaluate each person on a case-by-case basis right your approach was i think the correct one where it's like i want to work with adam and sunday versus like I want to work with two people who play on Strider Mills for Gen X. Like that's like it's, yeah. you know, it's a, that's kind of just different mindsets with how you would approach those two. Right. And I will say the, having looked back on it and even as the game was going on, I realized that mentality was not true for everyone. And I actually think that's one of the reasons why I got out, but uh, people had very different perspectives in that regard because some, some people are so starstruck by playing with survivors, but to me they were like, there's no advantage they get from being on the show. Cause it's not the same thing. Even if it is mm-hmm. similar, they get, you know, when you see fans are favorite seasons, they certainly have an advantage in like the survival survival part of it. And I'm sure having gone through the experience of making in-person alliances and filling those things out, I'm sure it helps, but more than anything, they were just like the largest personalities in the room who also really loved survivor. Um, But, but there were so many things beyond them being survivors that made me either want to work with him or not. And, and as mentioned, I, I think that is one of the most frustrating things kind of in the aftermath. And, um, I'm a really competitive person and losing survival challenge. Like I really went in thinking I was going to win. And so not having that happen and then having to hear Ryan and Bethany make fun of me forever. That's <laughs> um, that whatever. I'm the only non-winner. The really worse than losing is that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's going to sting regardless. And like, I mean, whenever you have a group of three friends, isn't there always one who's 
kind of like the butt of all the jokes. I mean, that's how most of my three person friendships have kind of. Been. It's true. It's true. It's just it's a, it's a, it's such an easy one to point to where it's like it really we is. proved that we were definitively better than you. Um, <laughs> and, the and you lost, and we didn't. So right. Um, so that's tough. But I, I had such an amazing experience doing it. But it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm really happy to talk about it and have that catharsis here is because I feel like my game was not really understood by a lot of people watching and, and probably still not understood by a lot of people either on production or cast or otherwise. Um, because like there's such a perception that if a survivor is working with you, they are therefore it's the same. It's the same as on the show. A lot of people assume that the biggest personality or the biggest person is the one who's driving the strategy or driving the relationships. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I don't really think that was the case for us. And even in times when it was every single thing about that was so intentional. Um, so this is one example for me on this day too, was Adam was in so much danger early on where he was such a huge target, not by any fault of his own, but he certainly, you know, he knew he really couldn't downplay the target on that. But like I was, I felt like I was in such a good spot. Whereas if I enter this game a hundred times out of a hundred, I'm in this kind of really easy swing vote spot where I have a lot of different connections right from the beginning. Um, for me, that was really a validating moment when I was on those tribes to be like, Oh my God, whatever I'm doing with these eye contact things is working because people seem to be trusting me on, on either side, even if I'm not actually gaming that hard. Um, something I want to add into what you're saying about like working with survivors is I think a lot of survivors, um, especially the ones that like are here to play Adam, especially being one of those, they want to be treated like a normal player. They don't want to be raised on this kind of pedestal. And Adam uh, had this great part in his podcast where he's saying, he's like, yeah, when I was there at survival challenge, I was there as a fan because I would have been there prior to Survivor. Like me being on a Survivor had nothing to do with me being on Survival Challenge. Like it was just me as a fan. And that's who I felt like. I didn't feel like Survivor Adam. I felt like uh, Adam, the Survivor fan. Um, And I think that anyone who comes back to from playing Survivor to Survival Challenge is coming from a fan perspective. Um, I mean, like John kind of came in like wanting to kind of rebrand himself, you know, like I, I think he owes a lot to survival challenge as far as how that's changed uh, his own perception of his inclusion on survivor. So I think a lot of people underestimate what survivors are here to do. And I think at the end of the day, they honestly appreciate it if they're kind of being included as more of a player and not some sort of uh, celebrity that some players make them out to be. Yeah, they're, no one after playing a game nationally televised for a million dollars is going to play in this game unless they actually love the game. And uh, either that means they're fans of the show from the beginning or they just love the concept of the game itself. I've always said too, like when I was doing casting, I, I was not the kind of person that, or, or a lot of people have different mentalities on this. I didn't necessarily cast all super fans or want to cast all super fans, but I really wanted to cast people who love the game or are competitive enough competitive enough where I knew they would love the game. And so, for example, some of my best players from Survivor Maryland had never seen Survivor before they played, but they were incredible players because innately, this is something they would have liked. They just never found it on TV or never had a connection to it. And like, that was the case for me where I didn't have it for most of my life, but that never means that I was the kind of person who wouldn't love Survivor. Um, So I think there's, uh, it's both, you know, super fans are a big part of it. And a lot of the survivors who play now are super fans. But to your point, it's people who have a passion for competition, have a passion for this kind of just like deeply personal, social, strategic game. Um, and those are the kind of people that I really like to play with also. So 
I wasn't interested in not having those people potentially as part of the game when I thought they would bring a lot to it and, and be really exciting to see interact. So um, there was some like things happening with like advantages and stuff, especially on the guys tribe. I feel like throughout this reward challenge portion of the day, um, like what part of that were you privy to as far as your knowledge and relationships go? I think I was aware because a lot of the I might not have known about it right away, but there was the whole thing that LJ or whatever found off the tribe flag and was reading out loud. And there was some clue that no one could find. It, it kept coming up, but I, I don't remember like to the, the thing I said earlier, like I just was a little bit more focused on people than I was on those things. So they would come up and I'd be like, oh, well, I'd love to find that. And I'm glad somebody that's cool that they figured it out that it was on the flag. But um, ultimately, it wasn't the driving force in what I was looking to do. What I will say is that the legacy advantage, which ended up playing such a huge part of the game, I think it came at the end of the day. And this was another, this is really the the prime example of where not listening to the instructions really, really <laughs> did not work out for me because John explained where the legacy advantage was and it was in some pile of logs wherever. And for whatever reason, I interpreted that as like this really far away pile of logs and so we had to like sprint out for this challenge and I was far and away the person ahead of the group, like, like wildly ahead, but I just ran past the pile of logs. And so that's why John Raymond ended up getting into the pile and getting it. Whereas I a hundred percent would have gotten it if I had actually like fully paid attention to wherever the third pile of logs actually was. Um, so that is one small regret I have of just not, and you don't know how the game would have gone at that point. Maybe that puts a bigger target on me, but it was definitely a very like head scratching moment for me where I was like, Oh, I literally could have had the most powerful advantage in the game. And I just ran past it. That's, that's tough. <laughs> now was that like, that was after you guys had split into your like official, official tribes, right? Oh, was that yeah. right? Was that at the very I end think of the day? So. I mean, I was, yeah, that was the first like, challenge. I feel like most of reward day. I mean, like, like you kind of said, I feel like the strategy, even, even when I was kind of like watching you guys, it definitely felt a little bit like, there's like this a group of like 12 men just like sitting together. So it's kind of like, I feel like um, the feeling of like, you know, couldn't really play too hard was probably um, pretty apparent, but I feel like, you know, yeah, once you got into the, um, the tribe split portion, I guess that's when you want to call yeah. it. That's kind of when it kind of picked up a little more. The, the other thing is to mention, Adam talked about this, but it is, it is worth bringing up the, the one thing I think I am pretty good at is uh, along with reading the room, it's like, figuring out little intricacies of people of like patterns that people wouldn't necessarily pick up on. But I immediately picked up on John's like be the hero at the end of the challenges thing. And it was like, <laughs> it was like the first two times he had done it. And it was even a little bit, he had been kind of doing it back at our initial walk thing where he would always volunteer, always volunteer to be like in the glory portion of the challenge. And I remember I said to Adam, I was like, wait for this next one. John's about to do it again. And he was like, what? I was like, John is about to volunteer for the, the last part of this. And then he did. And then Adam and I kept like starting openly joking about it. Um, and I, I don't do that to like be mean to people or point out, but I, I do think it's important when you to sort of control the narrative, understand the narrative of what's going on. And sometimes mm -hmm. that means you have to actually influence the narrative mm -hmm. uh, by putting these little things that are hundred percent true into people's minds where they just might not have noticed it. But and also I will you're say crafting, that was what I'll say. Also you're crafting a fun moment with Adam there, which was important to you to do. Well, right. It was like the first thing that we like bonded over from a game sense of uh, just like 
have being on the same page as like how you see people and, and, and everybody has that with someone. Like when you click with someone, you almost like it's the, it's the person that you, when something ridiculous happens, you snap and lock eyes with them. That's how you know that you've actually found someone that you can trust. To me, I've experienced that in survivor. I've experienced that in a number of different places where you just like start to gravitate towards that person. And a lot of times it is how, like how you respond to other people. So we would both kind of meet on that with John. Um, and you start to have other things along those lines too, where, I remember one of the big things that uh, happened for me personally was that Dan Rodaire kept talking about Survivor Maryland in this big circular, like sitting down in a circle group of 12 guys. And he was like talking about how Faluke got robbed and all this stuff, like deep in the weeds of what happened on Survivor Maryland seasons. And I was like, please stop. Please don't say any more of this. I just don't want people to think about it. I don't want people to know anything. Um, I was even talking to like Steve Helling at that point. Um, where he was like, oh, like we uh, was it was the sand pit thing? Was this part of these? No, this must have been after we actually split, the, right? The sand of the mud. The mud. The mud is what I mean. Yeah, that was the first. Um, the mud. I think that was a tribal one. Cause I remember. Yeah, that's later. Yeah, because I remember you and Alex smelled awful, and it was after. Oh, sorry, but <laughs> I don't remember that part of it. But yeah, mm, yeah, I was ripe. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, yeah, the John thing was very funny and starting to kind of put little things about people. But to, to what you said, it was really hard to fully strategize when we were all just standing there together and like dudes were going to be dudes. You know, there wasn't like the most interesting conversation in the world. Um, you mentioned uh, some stuff about people wanting Adam out and um, a lot of the early narrative was the potential group around LJ being formed and a group around Adam being formed. Did you feel like that was a very present thing within the guys at that point? Yeah, that, that's the sense that it started to seem like it was going towards. And I remember that's where that Ray, Wayne seemed like he reached out as like LJ's emissary. And obviously <laughs> I had been connected with Adam. But the thing is that it, the Adam group really had not formed. Like people would talk to each other a little bit, but there was no like concerted strategic alliance effort. Aside from I know he had connections with his old tribe and, and obviously we trusted each other. But I think there was a much more... Uh, actual group being formed on the LJ side uh, from what it seemed like they had been a little bit more solid and working that together. So it seemed like it was building towards that. And it seemed like honestly, LJ had a lot more numbers in that front from the, the sense that I got, but it wasn't actually these warring sides because I don't think the Adam side or any of us were actually like forming a, an official group. Hmm. You just started to see a little bit more of, of breakdown of who trusted each other. And it mostly revolved around those initial tribe lines the acorns or whatever yeah that's fascinating how like prominent of a group that was that early on and within a game like this that's usually like a big indicator of like at least where like powerhouse people are coming from and then also just seeing how that played out the next day by virtue of the challenges and stuff crazy how that just became i don't want to say a non-factor but at least a (laughs) non-story you know yeah Um, uh, which is very uh odd yeah, that, that whole group just got absolutely decimated by the survivor gods. So um, I, I wonder what would have happened if the, the acorns and the LJ's yeah. side or whatever had you know, actually. It's funny how that works out because I always feel, I feel like for sure, I think your guys' season, um, what other season was it that was like, there was, maybe it was, I think it was like in 2018, there was one of the tribes after like the pro swap was like, oh, they're going to be screwed. But like, the tribe who we think is going to be like, oh no, that the, we've, mm. we've, we've, we've like unintentionally screwed this tribe by the way we let this tribe swap happen. 
ends up being like the one that never loses. So it's funny how like I mean yeah, I think it just kind of speaks to just how you know people have different strengths that may not be as obvious initially, but then once you kind of get going, you're like, oh, I guess that those all those challenges suited that group of people way better than you would have right. thought they would. On paper, that's a great you know theoretical challenge job. You also have three survivors on there, so like it's really actually wild to see how that played out. Like, but I think that's the point too, though, is like, what is being a survivor make you good at some of these things for? Certainly it helps with fire, but, but what does it really help with in terms of like balance? You don't get an innate skill. And I think I, I, we definitely figured we were the underdogs, especially because we got smoked in that first challenge. And, uh, there's the famous you're, you're, moment. You're definitely, of, you're definitely not the, the balance, the balance king there. No, no wait, what? <laughs> it's not my fault. I didn't, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about when you fell into the water? Okay, that wasn't a balance problem. I was just about to mention this. Oh. <laughs> uh, I we had to like toss, do this like thing where we tossed a ball or whatever across this a whole way and as a tribe. And uh, let's just say we didn't have like the uh, the New England Patriots circa the last twenty years of a tribe from a football standpoint. Um, <laughs> and one of the big moments is we had you, had you had Bethany. We did have Bethany uh, and I'm also very good at like throwing and catching, but unfortunately I couldn't throw and catch to myself. So the, there was the one moment where Alex had to throw it across the water and he just did not get the throw far enough. And so I had to go reach, try to reach down to grab whatever it was from the water, but it just was too far away. And so I just plunged head first. Uh, into the water. Uh, okay. okay. There's a, there's it a was not a balance there, issue. Okay. I got, there's, I got there's screwed. A, there's a picture of you somewhere where you're like, almost like you're like captured mid fall. I thought that's where it was. But now, now that you say that, that you're right. It's that, that was, I remember, I remember, I was right next to you that it happened when you had to go in the water. Cause I think I can't remember if you even like grabbed like a stick, maybe to like, kind of like try to like, like nudge the ball toward you. I'm like, Austin, you're, you're going to have to get in. I, <laughs> I think, I think, I think it was more of a reach, but I, I didn't think I said like, as you were saying that, like, uh, uh shit, like I'm getting you, in. You, there was the, I, there was a moment. And when your face went from like, Oh, I can't reach. I'm going to have to actually just get in this murky, dirty water. And just like, yeah. Oh, welcome to, welcome to survivor. <laughs> I also think I had like just tried off or something from some earlier water challenge. Probably. That was like finally dry for the first time all day. And then I plunged head first. Well, the worst is like, cause like that, that all that, that, like that kind of like big challenge at the end of that day was so similar to my year too where it's like you're you just got your brand new shirt smells great and then you're doing this challenge and then my yours i would rather take wet because my year we had to throw dead fish to each other so oh. like literally i got this brand new shirt and then i had to go back to camp like a half hour later smelling ass awful just like fish because i was just like what the hell? So just like, yes, That's gross. it's, it's yeah, the way, the way they've sometimes set that up. It's like, really guys, like you couldn't have like had this like really wet, gross challenge at the beginning. So we could kind of dry off during the day. It's like, no, you're going to send us back. Right. I, I, found myself being, I found myself being the no shoes guy also, which I didn't expect, but like oh, my, my, my socks got really wet early on. And so throughout the whole day, I just wasn't wearing shoes and I just started feeling more comfortable with it. And I just like didn't wear shoes or socks the rest of the game, especially as I just kept going into the water for various reasons. So uh, that was a weird thing that, that I didn't really expect to be like that guy. Um, but you know, every, there's always like that guy who like doesn't wear shoes. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who you hang out with, but okay. <laughs> I actually, I'm thinking of uh, Alex Pascal from survivor Maryland, right? He's, he's oh. very much of a, no is, shoes he, is he a no shoer? He's a no shoe guy. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah as we're gonna get into those tribes i I know we'll touch on this more but i was not as down on our tribe as everybody else was i definitely was down on us after that challenge but i feel like we had a good random set of skills and this is going to be egotistical of me but i i am like very good at a lot of random things and it's something that like my i get made fun of a lot from friends of being like why the heck are you good at these random okay things? well that's like so much of what survivor is though it's yeah. being, being good at some really f- weird shit and just like that's somehow <laughs> like it's, I, you, you can't even describe what skills like it combines to like do well on like survivor challenges but sometimes it literally just is like I'm really good at building some long stick and like, you know, grabbing a little hook at the end of it kind of thing. It's just like there's, you, there's things that you just don't practice really, but it's like, huh, I was actually really good at that for some random reason. Yeah. It's just figuring it out. Or I, I also think I'm a good communicator. And so a lot of the ones that we won, like we came in and I heard you guys talking about this, Adam, I have a, I felt like I had a much better sense of what, or a good sense of what we were doing with those. And I, I do think I stepped into a bit of a leadership role there of like getting ourselves organized of what is our strategy? What is our plan? And like communicating things effectively. And the, the Saul one, the Timbertina one was such a good example because it explicitly was about creating a rhythm and like the right speed and cadence. And, and I had like talked to everybody about that beforehand of like, we need to shout out very much back and forth of what we're doing. And we just completely crushed everyone. Then you had like Bethany coming in on the balance and being so like just exceptional at that, even though that was the one that we lost, I think because of Dave, um, but I, I, I do pride myself on being kind of good at a lot of both as like a leader and as someone who's good at random physical things. And I think that we just like once we got the ball rolling on that a little bit, there was just such a good sense of team communication and like chemistry on those functions. And it's true in sports. It's true in Survivor, too. If you have good team chemistry, like you will perform much better than some of your parts. Uh, and, and I think that's why we were so effective um, at winning so many of those challenges and very convincingly too. Like it was definitely not a fluke. Well, let's talk about a little bit about the origin of this tribe with the, how you guys ended up getting picked. So yeah. we had this ranking of the men's and women's groups. And then from there, kind of a more classic, like backyard style, like school pick. Um, like how did that go for you on your end of things? And how did you feel about your ranking? Well, I was stoked about every part of that because um, I was a little bit worried, honestly, that I would creep a little bit higher into the threat rankings on the or whatever it was on the men's side. Um, And that might have been me inflating my own perception a bit. Um, And this is where it's important to both think, you know, where you stand, but also react to where signs are telling you. In this case, we got a very clear evidence of where we stood or not. Um, But it was a little bit interesting because the girls were deciding who ranked as the various threat levels. And I was like, well, they didn't really see, they would have no idea what I did in the challenges. Like I remember there was one moment where I kind of hacked the memory challenge where I said to our group, Hey, we should go memorize the last three of the girls. And we memorized the first three. And so we won the memory challenge based on that. So people that were with me were like, Oh, that's a really good idea. But, uh, people who are ranking us from the woman's side would have no idea. So, um, I think I ranked as number seven out of 12, which I was pumped about because I was like, that's exactly where you want to be at this point. You want to be not at the end. You don't want people to not respect you at all or or think that you're a contender in any way, but not near the top. So no one's going to be worried about me as a threat. So even though I was like, "Hmm," in reality, I feel like I should be higher than that. I was really, really pumped to be ranked um, right in the middle there. And then when the tribes got got formed, Adam talked about his, his strategy of just letting somebody volunteer and, Obviously, we saw Liza do that right away for him, but I believe that I was the next pick from Liza, and I think it was because, A, Liza knew me, 
we had been on both of those initial, initial tribes together. We had pretty good vibes with each other. Um, and I think her and Adam probably talked and Adam was obviously on board with it too. So she I was like, me the one day take you down, hoping I was be pre-merge. <laughs> yeah, she was plotting from the beginning there. Well, we're going to talk a lot about that because that is one thing that watching the episodes back, I felt so both validated and frustrated about. But anyway, um, Liza and I had literally been on every tribe together. So I was excited about that. Um, and I was very excited, obviously, to actually be working with Adam and be on the same tribe together. Uh, and then I don't remember, I think maybe I picked Bethany, um, based on feeling like she was good at challenges, but also, um, I think Adam seemed on board with it as well. And we had discussed it. So I think that was the next pick. Maybe either of you remember that. Um, next pick was, uh, Bethany. Okay. Um, and then hold on a second. Uh, after Bethany, uh, you did, uh, Dave. Okay. After Dave, I don't. I'm trying to look here. Maybe down to maybe down to Susie and Candace at that point. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you guys had. Uh, yeah. Oh wait. Well, last year we had uh, Alex. Either Candace, Alex, Susie, or Susie. Yeah, Alex, I think Candace, Alex was the two. last one, so it probably was some uh, second to last. Susie was okay. the last. So yeah, it was Carolyn. Then Alex, then Susie. Okay, yeah. Um, or Candace, then Alex. Candace, yeah, okay. Candace, sorry. So um, I was pretty excited about the group. Um, ultimately, I felt like the fact that I had both Liza and Adam made me feel good. And I had felt like I had been connecting with Dave a pretty decent amount. Um, and so I felt pretty good. I felt like, A, there wasn't any obvious risk of like another tribe taking over. I, know that, I knew there were more numbers, I guess, on Adam's and Bethany's group. But having had the connection with Adam, this is where I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to be at risk right away from that front. And I think, honestly, I'm probably closer with Adam than any of these people. So I should be at the center of the tribe. Plus, I had these connections that I feel decent about. But really, before we could even get a sense of what that group was going to be like, we raced into this challenge. And then we went back into the men and women's groups for um, this uh, exile or this reward that we had going on yeah. Bob's boat. Um. And what's interesting is that you set yourself up in the back of the boat with Adam, um, yep. only to have Adam get plucked from there to go to exile with uh, LJ. Well, so Adam volunteered, and I, right for a second, I was like, oh, I'll go too, because I was like, man, I really just want to like hash it out with Adam. Like, we haven't had a chance to talk and like acknowledge that like we're playing together. So I really wanted to do that. And so I threw my, I actually think I raised my hand for a second to do that. And then LJ was like, well, I'll go take one. Like, I also want you guys to have experience. And I was like, well, I probably shouldn't push that hard to be with Adam because nobody knows that we're connected. So I'd rather leave it that way. We can circle back another time. Um, and we're on the same tribe together. So I stepped back from there. was like, okay, I'll stay on the boat. But I, I did actually almost go to exile with Adam in that location, place, which would have been really interesting because Adam talked about how formative that, time with LJ was for him. Yeah. Uh, it didn't look like, at least from my perspective, because I was also on that boat with you guys, um, that there was a lot of strategy from you or really anyone from your uh, tribe. I think a lot of the discussion was firmly on the pink tribe as they're the ones that lost the challenge and have an upcoming uh, tribal council to deal with. It was funny because I remember they were openly talking about it with all of us there, <laughs> which was kind of fun. I think there we had a, a moment where I think there was a moment coming back where every group was like, okay, let's talk for a bit. And so I was talking with um, 
Dave and who was the other person who would have been Alex. Um, and that's where we started to have these concerns. Okay. There are four women back at camp and there's four of us here. So it would be hard for us not to at least think about the fact that they could be aligning together. They have this whole day back at camp to strategize. And here it is classic four men thinking that there's a woman's alliance. Um, <laughs> what's new. Uh, but that, that was the only conversation I remember strategically happening on the boat there. Yeah. It, it was a really good time though. I know a lot of people it like was. to joke about the, the lack of uh, food for a reward. Uh, but I mean, hey, you still got food, and that's better than uh, what you normally would have back at camp. So. It was good. The only thing was that there were no buns for the hot dogs. <laughs> that was tough. Did we, did we give you guys bread, or did we just have just like they were just like the hot no, dogs? No, it was just like a hot dog. Oh, on I, thought had, I thought we had like scrounged up like bread somehow to give you like some like kind of makeshift buns. No, I don't there. think so. Yeah, I think we had the really, really. You guys uh, had beer though. You did have that. <laughs> uh, we did have beer. That's true. That's that's what I was craving above anything. Um, not really. Uh, but yeah, so the boat ride was really fun. It was like a great, beautiful, like sunset type of cruise. And we get back to, um, the camp. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, Adam got dropped off before we went back to the tribe. Is that correct? I think that's true. Uh, I would imagine that sounds about right. Yeah. Because I remember, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the case. I remember there was almost like a little Island like where the boat let us off. Um, and Adam and I had a chance to talk officially one-on-one and it was like really great conversation. Like we're really excited to both be here together. Like we started talking about like, obviously we want to work together. That goes without saying. And I just remember we like got right to the point and it was, it ha- it lacked the sort of small talk feeling each other out that every other conversation mm-hmm. had that day, which speaks to what it means to actually have someone that you can trust and that's where he told me what happened on exile and the advantage and the, and the um, extra vote. And so at that point I was like, all right, not only do I know Adam from like, we're friendly from before and I talked online, but I think our interests align and he's telling me about all the information that's key right now. And I know Adam does that, but I, the fact that he told me right away, I was like, I have every reason to believe him and want to work with him and think that it's genuine that he wants to work with me. So that's where it's like so hard for people that are, people are like, well, you just were like following Adam or whatever. And I'm like, what, what on earth would make it not in my best interest to work with Adam at this point? I I can't under, like, there's no other strategic thing that makes sense. And so of course I'm going to work with him. Um, Not only is he this amazing meat shield, but he's a meat shield that trusts me and is like actively going to advance my game. So that conversation was really helpful for us. And we go back to camp and all four of us are um, a little bit worried that, Oh, um, you know, there could be this woman's lions and immediately we get welcomed. Everyone's very friendly and it becomes evident within about 15 minutes that Susie was ready to go. Um, she had talked about, uh, losing her son a year ago and she just wanted to spend some time with her husband for that weekend. And she started to like, make sure like pull each of us aside and tell, tell all of us. And the, the big, really key thing that happened that night. And I wonder how much this happened on the other tribes. And I don't, I don't know if I've heard this or not and, and how much it actually did, but we all were together and Adam basically came up and said, look, strategy is going to happen. Side conversations are going to happen. This is part of the game. It doesn't mean that you can't trust someone. Like, let's just start off and do it. And immediately as he said that, poof, all of us went off into side conversations. You had all these little pockets around the beach. And that was really what like, just, it was like the big bang 
like that's awesome exploding the universe to let the game start going and and it was almost like this big sigh of relief especially for me because i was getting very pent up of like i want to play the game i want to strategize with people but i don't want to be the first one to do it so the fact that adam and it really only could have been adam because he was a survivor because he had done this before he's really the only person who could say that and get away with it um and it was just this huge relief of okay finally we can talk and actually think about the game so I had these amazing one-on-one conversations with really each person on the tribe, except for I don't feel like I got a chance to talk with Candace at that point. But that dictated so much of the strategy that happened from that tribe and those formation of relationships. I remember we went off to the bathroom at one point and Adam went to the bathroom. It was me, him, and Bethany. And I turned to Bethany and I was like, I have such amazing vibes from you. I really want to work with you. I really feel like we can trust each other. Like just like throwing myself at her basically. And she was like, I feel good about like you as well. I really do want to work together. And, and I know Adam had wanted to set the two of us up um, in that sense. But at the same time, I think we individually felt that this was the right thing and both had that same vibe and went in like really um, together on it. Um, so a, a lot happened that night in terms of strategy. We were talking with Adam. Susie went around individually telling people like, not only am I saying this in group setting, but like, this is really how I feel. Like, I want you guys to have the experience. I'm really like, I want to tap out. Like, I'm really feeling a lot from losing my son. So both, we both had this like first vote became very clear, but also how do we figure out what we're going to plan long term? I had a really great conversation with Liza where I talked to her about kind of what our group could look like. And we both had the same interest of like, we both wanted to work with Adam and we thought Bethany could be a good person there as well. Um, I remember there being some distinction between who Liza wanted to work with and who Bethany wanted to work with. And that was always a little bit of a thing, but I felt like I was kind of the glue that held those two together, at least um, along with Adam. And Adam had talked about talking, you know, feeling good with Candace. I had a conversation with Dave where I was like, I really trust Dave. So all this is going on. Um, and, uh, I talked to Alex at that point as well and, and got a sense of her, from him. And I remember a lot happened that night in terms of uh, one of the big things I think is Alex started to say a bunch of things where it still felt like he was trying to prove himself as this outsider, but not in a way where he was like, I fully trust you, but like you should work with me because I'm this outsider. And there were just a couple of red flags where he was like, so he was trying, he was like, you, you doth protest, protest too much or whatever the phrase is. Like he was really trying to prove that he was not part of these original old groups. And like, yeah, he really hadn't been with them in a while, but there were just a couple of things that were like slight red flags to me. And this is where, when I talked about pointing out like John's thing earlier, I started in each of these conversations to say, Hey, Susie's asking to go. That makes sense. Dave is an outsider as well. We should probably think about that. But I know people like Alex, but like, Here's a couple things that are making me a little bit concerned about about Alex from a, a red flag perspective. And um, I started to say to each of my kind of alliance members that were forming at that point um, that I had a little bit of concerns. And so I felt like I will say going into the next day with how quick the game is, planting those seeds made a really big difference in how the game ended up progressing. So anyway, that was a lot of kind of strategy jump at one time, but I, it was just so I, I think you could probably hear it and how I just talked about it. It was just so exciting to actually feel like I was playing the game at that point. That's uh, it's really interesting that you brought that up because I witnessed the power of what you just like described actually recently in season uh, eight. We we tested out this new thing with um, and this is only something we've been able to do since moving to Macomb is that we have a, a, a different location for tribal council that we physically have to move people to. And there's like a staging area for them. So there's a lot more movement where tribal council back in Maine was literally just the same place as everything else. Yeah. So, um, but in this staging area, 
it's where a lot of the talk goes down for these for the votes because people don't have time any other time to do it um and we made it more of a point to really help people along by providing them areas to talk in to have some privacy to talk about some voting things and not just like a group area where everyone's kind of together and it's awkward and when i let them know about these opportunities and these spaces made for them they latched on to it because they're like oh here's someone telling us from production that it's normal to split up and talk about voting so no one has to be that guy to put that out there and so everyone felt comfortable doing it and it felt normal and good and since then everyone started doing it and i think what you just described with what adam said kind of like being that person of authority to kind of put that out there and just release the tension and awkwardness about it and just allowing people to play the game is such a big deal yeah i think that that innovation helps a lot because it is really hard to break the ice with that and and i will say it's also hard to do that until there is a tribal council looming so the fact part of what what let adam do that is because we had we no we hadn't lost yet have we no, I think you hadn't lost, lost, but there there had been a challenge. So, so yeah. the way we set up that year, yeah. I think the first time we'd ever done that that way, where like we had the tribe splits, and so this would have been Friday, Friday night. Um, we had, we, however, we had the first muni challenge where two tribes won, one tribe lost, and they had the night to kind of like you know in theory plop their yeah. vote out. So like you guys got the kind of you know good deal where you guys get you know one and got your night off, where they had to go back to camp and you know talk about voting the next i mean obviously you guys do too because you assume you would probably at least have to vote once you know the following day um but yeah i mean as while you guys didn't have you guys officially weren't going to tribal council like the game was officially on in the sense that like another tribe is voting so we should have our voting plans yeah. starting to roll here too well, I, I would and i would throw out too like maybe something i'll just throw out some some free production ideas then you guys can <laughs> do what you want with them one would be to um Really, t- because those first couple days when people are thinking that there are no eliminations, it is hard to really think about strategy when A, these might not be your tribes, and B, you have no like impending doom that you have right. to plan for. So, one thing could be like <laughs> the kind of thing you've seen it in Real Survivor before, but where there are votes that come before the actual first vote, where it's like voting someone out of your tribe, but people don't necessarily need to know that. They might think that there are actual eliminations, and everyone's going to treat it like it actually is. So maybe sprinkling in some votes that have stakes but aren't necessarily eliminations in the first couple of days could at least trigger people to start to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I because I think people uh, get too complacent without um, having that first tribal council to really hold them to actually strategizing. And I had a second idea, and now I can't remember it. So um, I guess it wasn't a free idea. You're gonna have to pay me for that one. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. It's it's something along the line. Uh, so, so it was something to do with like having people split off into, into like small groups intentionally um, and like ro- almost rotate through like you get like it's like speed dating almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't what I was thinking of, but like is there some way to have people have that moment to have one on one time with each other or even like small group settings um, that take them away from those big group challenge days um, at the start? So I don't know if that's something to consider, but I think the innovation you talked about with some of that the locational aspects it really does help because it, it really was stifling early on for us. Yeah, because once you guys know that you're going to travel council, you guys have, what, five-ish minutes in a not very, like, good space to really talk about stuff without it being awkward. Like, yeah. you kind of have to know some general idea. If you're working from scratch, 
right when you know you're going to travel, you're screwed. You know, yeah. You have to have part, of, I I, part of that's just going to be you know ours being a five day experience versus thirty nine or twenty six. Yeah. But it's like I mean, you know, we there's only so if we had like an hour in between, you know, tribal council or a challenge or I guess challenge and tribal council, it's like we couldn't accomplish what we accomplished in those five days. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a give and take. We're like, you know, the long, if, we have, if we had the longer game, we'd have to change like so much about, you know, the logistics of it all. Um, so it's, it's one of those kind of things that's kind of just like, you know, have to kind of work with. But I think, you know, to that point though, because there's those no tribals or, you know, there's no more than like 10, 15 minutes before tribal after a challenge loss, like the critical time to play the game really is when you're like back at camp and like the, like the, you know, like the night before things kind of kick off or the night before, you know, voting begins. It really, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I couldn't stress enough how important it is to really have a game plan, not just like the next vote, but like potentially, and also just because of the way we're set up too, we have, you know, you're running multiple challenges in, the, in every day. So like, you know, like for me, when I went to sleep the first night, I'm like, okay, we're going to go, you know, in theory, say there's 24 of us, say we merge at 12, you know, potentially what if it happened in scenario where like this tribe of eight became a tribe of two by the end of the day. It's like, I really, I, I went to bed like before that first day of voting thinking like, here is the order from eight, seven, six, five, four, two. And like, you know, four, three, two, um, you know, just in case. And that's I think that's kind of like the mentality you kind of have to have because the game is so short, obviously still be able to adapt and pivot, you know, in case like one vote goes not your way. Um, but I think it's important to kind of have that game plan laid out and also be utilizing time. You know, I, there was even times where, uh, I guess more so at the merge, whenever like I would be, maybe as I was already out of a challenge, I would at that point stop paying attention to the challenge and then just like talk to people yep. who are also out and kind of like, it's like, take like every second you can where you're not physically doing something else to like play the game because that's, that's where the game is played just given the, you know, environment that we are able to create. Yeah. I mean, those conversations that night absolutely were by far the most important ones that dictated the whole game. Um, Every single one between what happened in the pre-merge and what happened in the post-merge, like they all really formed from those that like two hours of conversations we had that night. So it is really crucial to get. And for us, it was like, it was a four day game, but because of those first two days, not having eliminations, it was really two days of strategy. So yeah, I think um, I mean, I, there is, I, the biggest game changing challenge or game changing conversation for me happened while I was like, you know, in a tribe challenge at the puzzle station with Rachel waiting for the rest of our tribe to go do their part. Like that's whenever she and I connected and kind of like mapped out this whole thing. And I'm like, huh, okay, maybe I should like work Rachel in my plan versus whoever else it was at the time. And it was like, like I, I literally look back, I can like remember that conversation so well because that really reshaped the way our tribe was going. And then that obviously had a huge impact on the way the entire merge run once we yeah. hit the merge point. So it's like, it's yeah. Like those, those moments you have people on the side or at camp, it's like, those are so critical. Then like that really, that, that pre-tribal t- time is like nice to kind of like, you know, give a little head now, like we're good. We're good. Okay. Good. Um, but like, if you're really, like, if you like kind of like to will, what's to what will said, if you're, if you don't have a plan and you're like trying to couple that in that moment, you probably are the plan. You just don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I went to bed kind of just like you said, I was like, Susie, I had the, I had like three different potential boot orders for our tribe. I didn't think past our tribe at that point. Cause it was like, who knows what's going to happen. But, um, it was like. Susie, Dave, Alex, or Susie, Alex, Dave, or Susie, 
Alex Candice and like I had all these options. And so what I was doing to make like I almost not only did I go to bed thinking of those options and like even down to like, let's say we lose a million challenges and it's down to like me and Adam or me, Adam and Bethany. Like that was my yeah. final. Because like, I mean, because literally with, with the way survival challenge is, I mean, you could if there's a tribe of eight, you could have six challenge that day and have to vote out six people. So he really. It, it happened know, in our season for, for exactly, wet so, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's exactly right. It did. I forgot about that. But yeah, it's like you literally, like if you mm. don't have, if you, if you don't feel like you're number one, two or three, like you, you got some work to do still. But ultimately those first two votes really dictate all of it. Cause it's hard to really maneuver from there. And so that's why right. for me, it was so important to really stage for that second vote where people were talking about Dave right away, but I really thought Alex was potentially someone that would make more sense for me. And so that night I, most of what I was doing was a solidifying this, like the internal group or, or core group from that, that tribe while also presenting him as this like appetizing, potentially appealing second yeah. option. And that was huge because what happened in the merge would have been completely topsy turvy. Had you guys voted yeah. out Dave over Alex there. That is absolutely right, Ryan. Now I believe from my recollection from like a midday confessional, um, once you guys were doing challenges, there wasn't a whole lot of strategy talk within your tribe um, until you guys lost a challenge. Um, is, is that true? That's pretty true because it, we just kept winning. So it was the same yeah. thing. We were like, well, we, we had this looming second vote that was much harder. And obviously we had this really easy first vote for everybody except for Dave. Um, and I know I talked to this last <laughs> week, I forgot about but that. it is worth mentioning <laughs> that as I was saying, Susie was like adamant that she wanted to go home or, or like go be with her husband. And Dave just could not get through his, like all, all of us went in. I will admit all four of us on the guys tribe went into that beach saying, okay, it's possible that the girls are going to try to like mislead us or whatever. And then just vote us out. But 15 minutes later, I was like, there's definitely no chance that they were doing that. Susie really wants to go. And I remember saying to each one of them and even Dave, I was like, if Susie wants to like lie about how she's feeling about her son passing away and that in the first vote of survival challenge, a game for $5. She's going to lie about this. Like if she wants to do that, I will give her a round of applause and say like, you got it. Like you, you go do that. Like I understand that like playing survivor hard is like fun. And I really, you know, I obviously played really hard. That is like a level that I don't even know if you would go to in real survivor ever, let alone in the first vote, a survival challenge. Like there's Johnny fair play, but (laughs) in the first vote, he's going to like, I mean, come on, it would be so ridiculous to do that. So, right away people all of us were like okay we're just gonna put like Susie. we had really great conversations with tribe that night i was like if she is playing us at this point oh my god she's the biggest liar in human history like hours and hours of conversation sitting around the camp and, and really lovely conversations with the tribe too which i think also really well, helped so when, yeah, and what I'm sure, when i'm sure she's probably talking about her son around this campfire right. so like, i mean it's like yeah you wouldn't she wouldn't be sharing that kind of thing and then using that as a game and like, like i said like literally no one like it would take beyond a sociopath to like be doing that right and so we get to this tribal council and we all had locked in and i was like dave it's good it's Susie. like stop freaking out and then he whips out this rock at tribal and he still claimed for the whole game that we had <laughs> seen the rock in his pocket and that's what made us switch our votes on to Susie. and i was like Literally, none of us had any idea there was a slight bulge in his pocket because we were so certain <laughs> about what was going on. Fired. <laughs> what? 
Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just so preposterous that he thought that this was the case and made this whole show about it. And that is where like the audience was like, whoa, Dave's doing this big thing or whatever. And we were like, oh my God, what is happening? So Dave really put himself on the outs there. That's when like the audience is there. You're kind of just like, all right. Like there's a moment whenever Jason did a similar play for us and I was like, guys, calm down. Yeah, it's like, tone down. Like, like, calm down. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's funny though? In the grand scheme of things, I think that ultimately helped Dave in a very weird way where I think that from there on in, the expectations of what Dave could actually do went way down in his favor because you don't want the expectations to be high for yourself. Well, yeah, it did make me want to work with him even more. Like I was already going into that day (laughs) thinking I wanted to try to keep him around more than I think most people. But yeah, absolutely. I was like this guy, like. Man, but but at the same time, it was such an obvious move. Like, if we had gone to a vote within the next one or two challenges, I think he would have been gone. Like, I don't think yeah. I would have been able to save him um, because it just was such a weird... It just, like, showed you really didn't trust anyone. And, like, what was the point of having all these conversations where we're talking about going forward together if you have that little faith that, you know, right. we're all lying to you about Susie? Um, so it was really an uphill battle to kind of keep him from there. But long term, yes, it certainly lowered his threat level. Um so sure, I, if it was calculated in that regard, then all that all the props to Dave. And I, I know you guys talked about this last week, but Dave really did play a, a very smart game um, following there in the way that he maneuvered and and, and yeah. uh, interacted with people. But that moment was not it. <laughs> no, but but I mean, hey, yeah. he lived to tell the story, and if you have to have that moment, that's the moment to have it. Right. That's right. So I was, Um, I think I said this in Adam's podcast, but I was honestly very impressed when I saw his merge confessionals uh, because I wasn't, I don't think I was, no, I was there in person for it, but I I don't know. It just escapes me when I went to put together the episodes and just seeing how actually self-aware Dave was, despite how coming off that he seemed like a character who was very not self-aware was very impressive to me. And I think that like, the stuff that he was doing best for his game were almost not intentional, but then he kind of utilized that to be intentional, which I think it's really great. So I don't know, some very subtle gameplay that I think really flew under the radar. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I can say that he, he made me trust him very effectively um, in the, in the one-on-one conversations that we have, like he did a really good job bonding very intentionally, I think. Um, and, and we can go into, to, like you said, there wasn't really a lot of strategy in between, but as we went later in the day, initially, you know, at some point we thought like, oh, we're not even gonna have to go to a vote again. Um, but I started to think more and more about um, the fact that Dave was so paranoid. <laughs> to me, the decision that came down between him and Alex was if we save Alex, you know, Alex thinks that he's in with the group at this point. So there's not really any like currency gained. But if we save Dave after how openly he thinks that he's on the outs, I think that he would actually have some goodwill towards us. And so that's why I, I like, I know Adam talked about like that this kind of came about and, and it wasn't exactly clear how I really feel like the Alex over Dave decision was my decision. Um, and that I made it happen for kind of the 24 hours before that. Um, and it, it was such a crucial decision because I, I remember thinking all day, I was like, if for somehow I can keep Dave around, like, I really think we can buy We can get him on board. Um, even yeah. though it seems so obviously he would go back with this other group, like how much will that say? Like he, th- like there's no more obvious way that you can prove to someone that you trust them than saving them twice when they think they're on the outs. So that fact that he was actually thought he was so on the outs in the first case um, actually played into that where I, I really, really had just a gut feeling that 
Alex was a big player who wanted to flip and didn't ever feel like he was going to be on board with us. But if we could just do one more thing to make Dave feel like he was included, um, then he would be on our side. So that was where that kind of later decision came in. Um, no offense to a lot of the players on season five, but my personal like favorite what if for season five is literally that travel council. If it goes to Alex instead of Dave being safe, because I think it literally changes the entire merge. I think nothing shapes out the same way from that just that single vote out because it was so crucial to how things played out. Um, so I think it'd just be so fascinating to see like what would have been if that happened. Cause yeah, that was for your group, the total right decision to make looking back because you're right. Alex was ready to flip. It was very obvious for production that that's what he wanted to do. And I think a lot of people were underestimating what he was capable of. And especially when he's on this trend of feeling burned he was ready to really shake things up come merge and especially in a merge situation, then the target, like being on the bottom doesn't really matter when you're on the merge, you know, now you're kind of looking more at threats. So now like Alex is in the best spot he's probably been in the entire game, you know? Um, So uh, I mean, just like how Dave was, you know, Dave was, you know, you know, on the hot spot uh, for like most of that day. But once he got to the merge, he was pretty much set for quite a while. You know, yeah. Well, maybe I like your what if too because maybe it would have worked out differently for me. But <laughs> at the time, <laughs> it felt like it was the best way to increase my win equity. And I remember um, kind of how that went down in the moment was we really had not talked. We knew we had this tough second vote looming, and I think there were whispers of Dave initially. But I had talked about these red flags with Alex, and they were actual red flags for me too, and why I thought that he might flip. Um, but the hard part was I felt like. I had probably, because I was on that um, first tribe with him in between, um, that overnight tribe, I think I was probably the closest person with him as part of our group, or at least I was like the one talking to him most in that front. Um, and so I think that's why he reacted to me the way he did and feeling very betrayed on that. Um, but uh we were walking to tribal council and we didn't even have the five minutes. Like we lost the challenge and it was basically 30 seconds later we were going, we were walking to tribal council. So, um, I think I was last in line in walking to there. And I remember Adam and Bethany were in front of me and they just both turned to me and were like, which, which one are we doing? And I was like, Alex. And we started to put that message through the line and the initial whispers at tribal council. And I think that was a very whisper heavy one at the start. Um, but I specifically remember that moment where we were going back and forth, Dave, Alex, Dave, Alex, and people were all whispering and they turned to me and said, which one? And I was like, Alex. And I told Dave that, um, and Dave was very worried. And I, I think it's e- it either is in the episode or I remember it from the moment Dave turns to me as the votes are being read. And I had a very strict policy where I didn't want to talk to anybody after people were uh, casting the votes, um, which I think they've now made policy in survival it's challenge. But it just always felt wrong to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not fair for people who just happen to vote first. Um, so I tried to not do that. So Dave was like, is it me? And I was like, you'll see. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Get another rock. I don't play. That's right. <laughs> this one is going to be a stick. Just you wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the rock will come back later on as well as I know. Yeah. I know. Well, um, talk about, uh, like switching gears a little bit here. Yeah. Talk about some of your highlights as far as just your personal moments when it comes to those challenges during that day. Um, the Saul one definitely stands out as I just feel like we rocked the communication. Um, 
I uh, the food challenge was very memorable, and Alex really crushed that one. Um, I were you, like, were you were you good at that? I feel like you. I feel like you would be. I was decent. You. I okay. was decent with it. Um, I remember Ethan standing right in front of me. Ethan Zahn was like, "You can do it, Austin." And I was like, "Do you, do you know my name? <laughs> what?" I, I um, can still smell LJ's anchovy breath. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, that so. was the hardest one. I think I hate sardines or anchovies or whatever. I hate that I texture of fish. They had a spotter so close. I just had to like make sure they were using their hands, or whatever. But I'm like. We're in like the splash zone. If anything like comes up, we're we're screwed. And like, there's one he's like burp, and I'm like, uh, okay, there's like nothing else came up, and I'm like, I, I backed up, and it's like there's gonna be more besides just that little burp there. Nothing ever happened, but I was like, why are we? A, it's not my job to be spotting. Why am I even sitting here? Who dragged me into this? I hate gross food, and like, B, I'm just, again, just like this is why are we right, right in their face when they could be having things come out of their face. My uh, my boyfriend Danny asked me about this challenge recently, and um, he was uh, he was like, "Did you ever think about not doing it?" And I was like, "I feel like we had like three people say they didn't want to do it at all right away, and so it like wasn't even a choice." Um, but because I, I I would think that I, I'm actually I don't like a lot of that stuff, and I would be kind of squeamish going in. But I it was more again uh, that adrenaline thing, and I, I hope for everyone who's thinking about playing or, or could be playing in the future, like just just go for it as much as possible in that moment go for um, it. because, because what's the worst that's going to happen? Nothing. And the, ad, the adrenaline should carry you where you'll be okay. And if it's gross and you vomit, then like, it's a fun memory as well. Like that you like couldn't do it. Um, but like push yourself and that's part of the whole experience of doing it. And I think as we go into more of the strategy as well, I have a lot of like, not regrets, but I think a lot about, I felt like I played a, 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 the game one way that gave me the best shot of winning, but the fact that it didn't work out, makes me wonder if I should have just gone a route where I just had more fun with it um, and didn't try to play in the absolute most like ideal way to win. Yeah. If you did that, um, and, and I think lost, that's a choice people have like to make as be, well. Yeah. I feel like if you went that route though, and also lost, you'd be like, Oh man, I should have played strategically more. It's, it's like, it's like a, you know, catch 22. I feel like, yeah, I don't think I would have changed it, but like, as we go into the merge, like I had different options I could have worked with and, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's always a question in that regard, but I, I think the, what I would give to people, the advice is, is you should always go in and play to win because it's, it, that's, that's like the whole reason that we're out there to begin with. But when there, there are some, you're never going to know what the exact right answer is. And so whether it's a challenge, whether it's a move you want to make, just go for it. Cause you might only have one shot. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Think. I mean, you can think about what you're going to regret more. To your point, Ryan. Yeah. If I had like done something stupid and lost, I probably would have regretted that more than I do. Um, but everybody has a different calculus in that regard and what they're what that means to them. Um, anyway, the food challenge was a blast. I remember Bethany getting burned in the water one. I was pretty miffed that I didn't get to do the swimming challenge because uh, I, I do feel like I'm a good swimmer. Um, the yeah, one I was that, really bummed and mained. I always like push for those now and, and, and McCombs, we have like these two giant ponds and I'm like, I was, I'm like, I'm a really good swimmer. I'm like, I never, I don't think I was once able to utilize that skill. Like the one time I was in the water, it was unintentional because I fell out of our boat, but like, it's <laughs> been great. Though. Nice. Nice. Um, the one that I really liked was the like tipping the water into the jugs one. Mm. It was another one where we, I was in the position where I had to like move the jugs around um, and it was just, again, like communication and just figuring it out where we like obliterated the other tribes in that one. That was where we were actually really cemented being the top dogs. What? I said, that's just such a great challenge in general. Yeah. Um, 
Let's talk about the last challenge that ended up sending you guys to that travel council, the the maze. And, you know, Adam was very passionate about discussing the results of this one. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I find this hard to, to be competed with as literally the closest challenge finish we've ever had on Survival Challenge. Yeah, I don't even remember it that much as as much as like just that it was so close. But I think I was either sitting out for part of that or the whole thing. And uh, yeah, you were of, sitting out. Kind of like what Ryan said. Obviously, if I was playing, we would have won. So that was a mistake <laughs> on our part. But I'm just kidding. The I don't even remember right, what the you, challenge. You were saying earlier, go for it. Why don't you step up there? I, it, it's not like I volunteered to sit out. I'm not, there's no. They're not calling it the the, the Austin sit out bench. Um, but uh, we called it the Austin Pond though. And the, the Austin Pond. That's when you go in head first. Yeah. Hey, I did say go for it. That includes diving into the pond head first. <laughs> um, the uh, I was sitting out and like what you were saying earlier. I'm pretty sure I was like planning, thinking of what to do for that vote. Um, and so I barely remember the challenge at all because I was just like so locked in on if we have to go to this vote, what do we do? Mm. Um, yeah, it's also interesting to think, um, literally if you guys had just gotten in there a single second sooner, you guys don't go to tribal, the what if scenario where both Dave and Alex make it to merge, which is also crazy. Yeah. It might've been better for us to, to end up having him, um, get out there. I guess we still would have had like seven because yeah, it really as long as dave unless like Al, does like alex, alex would have flipped unless dave decided to flip with him it could have still been that same six that locked in as the yeah. core. i don't and i don't i mean that's actually a good question because if we don't prove to dave there that he can trust us he might actually mm. flip with alex there so i think it, um, it's, i honestly think there was um more that could have happened and i will say like going into merge i really thought about not just going in six strong with this group um and flipping and so if the game had been a little bit more wide open and dynamic there then maybe i would have done that i think it's crazy in general just the last boot from each tribe and how them making it to merge could have changed everything from years you had alex um you had the rock draw from wetsu um, and it just happened to be LJ. Literally any of those people coming out changes the game completely. They were all big parts of the game slash merge. Um, it would have been very interesting to see what LJ would have done in the merge, um, trying to regroup with what happened. Um, and then uh, from the pink tribe, you had uh, Katie, um, yeah. which as we saw in her returning season uh, in season like six was a huge powerhouse player. So it always made me thought of just like, like, man, like, like if she had gotten the chance to shine in like a merge situation, like I think that is a player we could have seen be an end game threat and not realized it till that point in the game, you know? Yeah. I, we were always pretty interested in what Katie could potentially bring. Um, I would have loved to see, honestly, a lot of more of the people in the pink tribe have made it obviously Sunday and Abby I had connected with. Yeah. Um, and Katie was really interesting as well. Um, yeah, that was a really heartbreaking string of votes for me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is why we all hate Steve Helling. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, going beyond this, you guys have merged, which I'm sure you're psyched about, and we'll talk about that as well as the fact that you guys have your merge challenge. So once again, you're setting up to what seems like at the time be another classic do the challenge now, travel council in the morning kind of scenario. Yeah, I mean, we were completely blindsided by this. I heard Adam talking about it in the last podcast, and 
we were having, I mean, we were definitely strategizing from the, from the hitting the ground running at, at the camp there, um, the merch camp. And I know we were all looking for IO clues and whatever, but there were a lot of conversations happening, but those conversations definitely got cut way short. And I remember I, I came pretty close. I went pretty far in the challenge, the stacking one. And I started to overthink, like, again, I was really worried about becoming a threat and there was just really not a reason for me to think that I would be at that point because there was still Adam, there was still Carolyn, there was still like Steve Helling and a lot of different alliances to, to figure out. Um, and so I like kind of lost focus um, and was like, do I really want to win this or whatever? Um, ultimately it didn't really matter, but uh, based on how the vote went, but I, I do think um, Carolyn was someone that we were kind of, I, I was very interested in, in potentially targeting at the merge we had had some conversations right at the start um, when we were getting our, our shirts on and stuff. And I was really trying to feel her out as a gamer. And I just couldn't get a sense of whether she was being genuine or not, because she is this like larger than life personality. Um, and it turns out, I think she actually was interested in potentially working with me at some point from when I talked to her after the game, but I, I just didn't register that. Um, and that might be on me. Uh, but from there on, I was like, Oh, well, I don't know. I just like, she to me is a powerhouse that I, I don't feel like I can get in with. So I, she's too much of an unknown and a wild card for me to feel good about. Um, so if, if I had managed to stay focused in that challenge, maybe it goes a little bit differently long-term if, if she's not in the game at that point, she's the target at the merge as opposed to Steve. Although I, I don't know, Steve made a lot of sense there, but yeah, I was really excited to make the merge. Um, I was really excited by how the day had gone out. And I do find myself like, even when I had played some of those online games, I really enjoy being in the position of being in the majority, majority Alliance and having the choice to be able to make from there. So what I was doing is really trying to leverage a lot of those connections I had made beyond my tribe beforehand. Where obviously I had this kind of group of four of Adam, Bethany and Liza that I felt pretty good about. And Candace was with us and Dave was with us. And we had our little subgroups um, within that for sure. Um, but I had definitely connected with Nick C and we had really good vibes there. Um, and Nick H a little bit, uh, when we were on the guys tribe, I felt like we were, we were getting along well. So I was talking with the two of them and with Steve about, Hey, you know, is there something that we could do at this point? And at that point there were, there was a six and then there was a three and a two. And we weren't sure if the three and the two were going to form together. So I was trying to see like what permutations of those three and the two would potentially be interesting to work with. John had been someone that I'd worked with from the beginning. And so I had been talking to him and he definitely was talking about like, maybe we should flip the game and do something. And I think, I think I was going to, if we didn't actually talk to Adam and Bethany, like, Hey, are we interested in potentially latching on with one of these groups and, and doing something different and just like kind of making the game a little bit more dynamic, not, not like a pendulum strategy, but just like breaking it all up to take control of what the chaos was. Mm -hmm. And that was going through my head as something to think about. Um, and I think Adam mentioned last week, he was kind of thinking about that as well. Not going six unpay strong, but I think partially because the tribal came so suddenly, we really never got to explore that option. Most likely, I think we would have gone with the six on pace strong for the first vote, because like, why would you give up that majority to at least set the tone to start off with? And we had good relationships, but I really was like interested in working with a lot of those different people. Um, and so it's interesting to think even what happens there if we don't go right away. Um, but all of a sudden we get this, you know, whoever it was coming down to our camp being like, Oh, get your stuff. You're going to a vote right now. And we were like, holy crap. And that walk up to the vote. And it actually did get captured a little bit in the episode, I think was so pivotal to this vote because the person who really was thinking about flipping, 
yes, like Dave was a question, the big question for everybody, but the person who really almost slipped was Liza. Liza mm. came extremely close. There was this weird thing that had happened where she stopped trusting Nick C because he revealed that they had gone to the same high school or were from the same area or something. I, I don't even remember what the details of it were. I think it was the same high school, but I want, they wouldn't have been the same class because she was like 22. He was like 28 at the time. So but I guess maybe like, maybe like they knew of each other maybe because they were both from the same area or something like that. Yeah, something got revealed there and she was like, that made her want to vote for um, either for Nick when our plan was to vote for Steve, which would have thrown off all the numbers. And it was going to be like a five, five, one. And then even she was thinking about maybe voting someone else from that. Like it was so confusing, but all the whole plan. I I wonder like what kind of high school reputation Nick had now. (laughs) This is like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Throwing my game just to vote out this asshole. It it was, it was so bizarre. And, and, and so as we're walking up and I think in the episode, you can literally see me like walking next to her. Like, like she's like, she's like grabbing onto my arm as we're going up, up the hill. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't know what the details here. This doesn't sound good, but we, we have to figure it after the vote. We, there's no way we're going to get through this if we don't stick with the plan and with the majority. And I had to convince her all the way up. And so she came so close to changing her, throwing her vote or flipping or whatever it was right up until the moment. Uh, And so I had no idea what was going to happen specifically because of that on top of not being sure about what Dave was going to do. And I, I talked to him as well. And I think all of us had, and we had a decent vibe, but you really never knew. So there was so much going into the air. Meanwhile, we're heading into this night tribal council with these huge pillars of fire. Uh, it was so epic in so many different ways. And I remember even as I was freaking out about this vote, I turned and I think I was sitting next to John or someone. And I was like, man, like this is so freaking cool. Um, but that night was really insane. And, and probably my favorite. Mo- well, I think my favorite moment was that time at the beach where we all first got to strategize. And then had really good conversations at night. But this was probably a number two of just an amazing, amazing tribal council um, with like so many stakes and and so unexpected uh, that made it really exciting. It was so cool because, uh, yeah, you were standing next to, to Liza. I was there filming this whole process with you guys, which was really cool for me to get some perspective for you guys. Because first off, being there for the surprise that you guys are going to tribal council. Amazing. So epic. Really, it was such a well-kept twist no one really saw it coming. Um, just seeing you guys. And it was the right amount of you guys weren't like unprepared for this, but not like ready for this. So it was like a yeah. nice blend of there being stuff in the works to kind of work with while also not being everything too cement to where I think chaos is still informing. Um, and you're having people literally run around between these walking groups trying to make stuff happen at the last second. And then as this is all happening, you walk in and this was the first time I was also seeing it um, and had no idea what they were planning for a setting. But the tribal council area was just beautiful and epic. And oh, my gosh, I, I don't know if we'll like it'll it'll take a lot because we have done a night trouble since. But like the amount of stuff we had and just well, the area space is so much bigger too. Yeah. It really yeah. was a shame that, you know, that was kind of our one and only night tribal there, but it just, yeah, like the kind of like the perfect, like backdrop for the tribes where they were sitting like this really long upward hill to kind of like walk up to the vote. versus yep. kind of like around the corner. We even yeah, have a huge was, audience there watching. Yep. Like it was just, Oh my gosh. So epic. And we've, I mean, Adam couldn't stop talking about how much like survivor in that moment felt, which I agree. It felt like really, amazing and then um just how that 
whole thing went down. It was super tense, super exciting. And then after all this is done, I think, yeah, your confessional was after all this. So then yeah. now you're trying yeah. to process all this. And like, holy crap. Um, yeah, just such a, a, a highlight moment for that season in general, honestly. Yeah, it, it, it was just a supercharged moment right before, right after. Um, and that's where, like, I, I know a lot of people didn't like that we had a majority alliance that kind of dominated a lot of the game, but you can't tell me that those votes weren't compelling and that keeping that majority wasn't interesting and wasn't tense. Like it was not, not an easy process. And, you know, no, yeah, were, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not as admittedly as like fun to watch, like kind of one dominant alliance dominate, but at the same time, it's like, it's, it's not like it's like cake, just like keeping the, especially if you're the person who's kind of like at the center, like literally trying to like hold this together. Like it's, it's not, you know, easy peasy. People only say sporing when it works, but I think nine, not nine, not quite that much, but I'd say uh, like three out of four times, it doesn't work, honestly. Well, like, it didn't yeah. work for me, that's for sure. But the, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah. Austin's earlier point too. It's like, yeah, it's more fun to kind of like shake it up, but it's like when you're, so the thing is like when you're in the majority and you're like a number like four, five or six, okay, yeah, shake it up. If you're like, if you're, if you truly feel like you're one or two in that majority alliance, you like, what is actually your incentive? Like, you know, like for you, um, Austin, Bethany, and Adam, it's like, what was your real, like, game savvy incentive other than just be like, oh, just, we just want to have more fun? Where it's like, if you're playing to win, like you said earlier, it's like, you want to have the most, like, that makes the most logical sense. If, 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 like, if this alliance stays strong and you're at the top of it, then you're potentially at the end of the game where it's like, why would you shake that up otherwise? Unless you're just like saying, screw it, I just want to have fun and maybe not win anymore. Right. Well, and let's snapshot where we are at the merge at this point. So, Within the Umpe group, I think me, Adam, and Bethany were the tightest three. So already we have half of the group. You factor in that Liza felt close to at least me and Adam. And here's where it gets interesting is because I was very certain, especially after this vote and that whole walk with Liza, I was like, I really think that she trusts me. I really think that we can go to the end together. Um, Bethany was my final two, ideally, but... I definitely was having the question of would I go with Liza or Bethany? Um, most likely, I think I, I felt like Bethany was the final two and that we would have a be a good competition in the final two. I thought I had a slight edge with just some of the story that I could present, um, but at least it would be competitive. Um, whereas Liza, I thought I might have a slightly better shot uh, of beating relatively, but, um, but I really felt like she trusted me more than anyone. And I was like, so I've got Adam and Bethany, who I trust. Liza, I think, really trusts me and is like literally holding my arm on the way up to Tribal. Meanwhile, Dave and I have a pretty good relationship. Candace, I never like clicked with like on a 100% um, personal level. Like, we weren't too close or anything, but but we had no like distrust of each other. Likewise, I also have these opportunities with Nick and Steve and Nick H if I want, although Steve felt like a little bit less so, which is why I, I was interested in getting him out. And we had told John and Carolyn to vote one way and Nick and Steve and them to vote the other way. Anyway, I feel like I've got all these cards. So yeah, exactly what you're saying. I was like, I'm feeling like I'm number two in this alliance. And the number one is the biggest target in the game by far. And you see that at the merge, that he gets all the votes on him, which is exactly what you want in this kind of scenario. Um, and I didn't feel like I was a huge threat level. And the other thing that was coming on this is Adam had told me all about the advantage stuff that he knew and every piece of information he had. So I knew I could trust him. And as he talked about last week, we had, you know, he had told me and Bethany that he did not feel totally sure that he wanted to win the game. Now, you could frame this a number of ways. One, this could be a very easy way to downplay the threat level. So it wasn't like, 
I was sitting there like, there's no chance Adam wants to win. And he wouldn't just like, you know, he'll get that far and then be like, oh, well, you know what? I still want to win. It's, it's not like that was not in my mind. But I also think thought it was within Adam's possibility that he is someone who genuinely would want to think about his metagame for a season, a winter season at some point. Like that is very much believable for Adam that he would think along those lines. So I'm sitting here like I have the perfect meat shield. I'm in the perfect spot in an alliance. I have people that I think I can take to the end who I trust that I think I could win against. And the person who is the biggest threat to beat me doesn't really want to win. <laughs> like, what more could you ask for from a spot? And that's why I was feeling so good. And then when that vote goes through, I was like, man, I really feel like this game was going my way. And it was so like I mentioned this before, but it was both like validating and frustrating to watch that confessional when Liza literally says that I'm her final two and that she trusts me most. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I was right. Like it was all there. Yeah. Um, and obviously it, it, the game moves so quickly and things change so much, but that night was really important because I think a lot of the confessionals also really pushed our group, um, and made some people think about that they had to make a move because they felt, you know, whatever sort of pressure, um, from that kind of perception that, well, we're not really doing anything. And to, to the point, you know, to that point, the people who were at the bottom of the lines probably didn't need to make a move because I think for the reasons I'm saying, I probably was in a really good spot. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that's where I was kind of at mentally in that headspace. Um, and Adam talked about how much he was energized and he really like got like kind of dark, like not in a bad way, but like he was so intense after that vote of like, we have to get them out. We had that huddle. Um, and even for me, I was like, well, I like tried to repair things with Nick C, but he was like super bitter with me. And I was like, I mean, I didn't even get to talk to you because the vote came so quickly. Like I couldn't tell you what we were actually doing if I wanted to. So, you know, whatever, but it really did solidify what those sides were and, um, with that being what happened going into that last night, you know, there wasn't a lot of time to really shift from that. And also let's not forget for all the critics saying that like, Oh, like it's like not as interesting. Cause like a majority of lines, <laughs> I guarantee you if the vote went the other way, that that's the same scenario would happen with that side. This, yep. this is what this season was about the build up to this moment. And I think that's why this, what I love the fact that we had all of this epic stuff, for this tribal council and it was arguably the most pivotal tribal council of yeah. the season you know like to have those coincide is so great because yep. yeah if that goes the other way then we see basically the same scenario for the other side of the game yeah you have some roadblocks and some humps with like a couple blind sides here and there happening with some advantages being thrown around but ultimately the majority wins out like I think that's how it plays from just the other side. And then it's the same critique. It doesn't, you're not like, you're not having a critique of this group of people winning. You're just saying you want to see something different from a season, but this is how naturally the season plays out. And I don't think that's worth criticizing really. Yeah. You're right though. In that, if that final 10 vote is that vote instead, like that's, it would still be really cool because of the setup, but like it, it lacked, it would lack the explosion that was that tribal council. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually would have been really interested to see what happened if we didn't win that vote and Adam goes out because I really think that I had enough connections to have made at, le at least had a shot at, at yeah. clawing my way back from that. Um, I'm not the kind of person who reacts very bitterly to a lot of things. So, like, I don't think I would have had like when I went to Nick and was like, Nick, I still want to work with you or whatever. And he was like, I'm not talking to you. I never would have done that to someone. I would have been like, I understand what you did. I'm upset over it obviously but like i still want to work with you um and i think there would have been avenues to explore and i would have loved to play the game like having to fight my way through that and see like what i really had made of there but 
yeah, you know, I wanted that lobster trophy. So, um, it was great for us. We won the vote and, uh, and it was smooth sailing from there. Nothing could go wrong. (laughs) Oh man. Anything else we want to touch on for this day before we move on to, um, the final day? (laughs) Oh, Ryan, uh, wasn't this when you guys all made your, uh, your winner projections? I don't, I never really do that, honestly, because I just, I like to, I, I like to kind of be surprised too. Like, I honestly, though, I feel like taking my biggest step back to that moment, um, I did really see it coming down to you or Bethany taking it home. Just, just assuming you kind of like, would maybe if, even if you didn't stay all the way to six, you, Adam and Bethany would kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe drop Dave or Candace at one point and still go on to, I, I was, I was really pretty sure the final four would be you, Adam, Bethany and Liza um, and then voting out, you know, Adam at four, Liza three, final two, Austin, Bethany. Even yeah. though I guess I, I guess probably, you probably probably would have both taken Liza at that point. I feel like um, it, it was definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, like honestly, like gun to my head, I probably and I almost feel like just knowing the jury also now probably is maybe like kind of um, factoring into this too. But I feel like the jury. Like it, honestly, you and Bethany would have been really, really, and I guess Dave and Bethany was a five-four vote too. But I feel like you and Bethany would have been super, super close. Like I don't really know which way that would have gone for sure. But I think yeah, I mean, if you or Bethany for sure were my projected two at that point. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. That helps you win the hypothetical game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a good liar, so yeah. you're welcome. We we can move on to the next morning for sure because that got interesting as well. Cool. Um. So. We really don't have a lot of um, know-how as far as like what happens before you guys even come to the challenge area. Anything interesting? Well, Ryan has some insight. Morning? I've only complained. I've only I've only mentioned this seven million times. Okay. Oh, the idol that wasn't an idol yeah. anymore. Yeah. So that morning we wake up and we got kind of a warning that like oh you had like thirty minutes or an hour to get ready or something. I don't know. We all woke up very early. We had a lot of wine that night. Like after everything settled down, we actually had a really fun night of just like bonding. Um, and I was very interested in seeing if anybody kind of went exploring for things. And I remember early in the morning, I like, I really didn't even sleep that night, just kind of like watching people to see what happened and, and thinking about the last day and like trying to project myself like, Oh my God, I'm going to win. This is going so great. Whoops. Um, and Nick kind of like took off very early on. And I know that he had been looking and people, I, I know a lot of people said that he was close to finding the, advantage or the idol and he looked in his confessional and everything but he was looking again the next morning as well and so i was like well i kind of want to go find him or at least see what's going on like that would really screw us if he ended up finding an idol so i went searching and i went in one direction and i stumbled upon this like enclosure and um i'm I'm poking around and there's a tarp and under this tarp or it might have even just been sitting on a bed actually i think it was just sitting on the bench there was a box and the box had a bunch of like random trinkets and, uh, or kinks as we call them. <laughs> and, um, we love, we love our kinks. As well. <laughs> we love our kinks. Yeah. <laughs> and it had a note that's it's something along the lines of like, um, uh, congratulations. You found whatever this is, blah, blah, blah. Like Bob 
we'll show you the ways of making a fake idol. And I was like, well, this is weird. And it, it mentioned like the night or something. And it read as if I was supposed to find well, this didn't last you night. find it in like some like clearly like just like a plastic tub? I mean, it's like, it wasn't, it was like this like cool, it's like, it, I mean, it very much should have looked like this shouldn't be. <laughs> it, it did. It, it was like this box. And I was like, clearly this, it seemed like it was supposed to be something from last night, but this box is still here. And it basically, it had a thing that was like, you're supposed to work with Bob. But Bob obviously was not there. <laughs> I was like looking around at the trees being like, where is Bob? Bob, are you there? <laughs> yeah. And then it said, okay, take any of these. You can either have Bob help you make a fake idol or you can take one of these items and designate them as an idol. And there's all these random items. And one of the items is a rock. And I was oh like, my God. oh my God, I freaking found an idol I'm going to have a rock and it's going to be an idol and it's going to be the most amazing circular story from Dave's fake rock. And so I take this rock and I stuck it in my shoe under my foot and I put the, um, the box of items under this tarp or like under some leaves or something like so that nobody would find it. Um, so it wasn't sitting out in the open and I go back and it's really early in the morning and I pull Adam aside because I was so confused about whether this was like supposed to be there or not. And I showed him and I took him to the spot and I showed him the note and, um, and the rock. And I was like, is this real? Like, do we think this is a thing? And Adam was like, I mean, it was there. Like it should be. And I was like, so I think, I think I have an idol, right? I think this rock is an idol. I think I just designated it. And he was like, I think so too. And we're walking back and he was like, God, like, dude, you are going to win this game. Like between this, between the way you're set up, like you could not be in a better spot. And I was like, thanks, but like, let's get there. And so that happens in the morning. So I'm thinking that I'm having an, that I have an idol and I'm like pretty pumped about where this is all going. And I was planning to ask someone in production, like, hello, is this the thing? Why was this just sitting out there? Whatever. We get to the, the challenge the next morning and all of a sudden we get reamed out for raiding productions camp and <laughs> stealing items from them. And everybody is just shell shocked because we're like, who would have done this? Whatever. And I'm sitting there knowing that this is relating to me. But I also was like, what the heck? Like, I didn't like go like it was sitting there. I like went and explored camp and there was a thing there. And I took the thing because and so the, I don't think they had found that the box was there either. So everybody's freaking out. And me and Adam look at each other because we we are pretty sure that this is what the case is. And um, so that happens. We go right into the challenges and, and the day is happening really quickly. So we've got a lot to do. And I remember it doesn't really kind of develop until later on that morning when they start to pull us aside for confessionals. And I finally was like, hey, I need to tell you guys something. When you talked about this earlier, like, here's what happened. I found this. This is the rock. I don't think I went out of bounds for anything, but like, I thought I found the idol. Uh, and this is where I hit it. You can go find it. And they were like, oh, okay. And they were like, well, it's not an idol. Sorry. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really a downer. That's a shame. And funny, not only not only was that the case, but like I had gone out of my way to like it, it wasn't actually. I don't think it was normal confessional. I think I was like I want to. I, I was like I want to do a confessional. Let me. You guys pull me aside. I, I think. I think it actually didn't even happen that way because weirdly enough, I captured this. Um, Jordan pulled you aside and was like, "Hey, can like we talk about something?" And then that's when like that'll happen. Oh, that's right. That is what it was. I did get pulled aside about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so um, I filmed that thinking that, ooh, confessional, like what's going on? Oh, and you gotta send me that footage. I really want to see that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll totally send you the clip. Please not, send me, oh my God, I'm so on the jacked. episode for obvious reasons, but I'll oh, send you Oh, I want to know what happened that moment. Yeah. Please send that to me. I mean, oh it's God. not as interesting as probably you think it is. No, but, I, mean, I think I reacted kind of like very calmly, but internally oh, yeah. I was absolutely, internally it was like the episode where SpongeBob is freaking out that he forgot his name. Like it's the people <laughs> running around inside <laughs> with the fire going on. I was like, this ruins everything. The thing that sucks too, and that I am, still upset about this. That was the moment that Nick pulled Liza aside to talk to her about like flipping over uh, and not specifically to target me, but uh, like I ended up finding out. Fake. See, oh, that's what you get for seeking a production camp. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently. You know, we, 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 we then tell people to vote. Yeah. <laughs> so literally like I, as I mentioned, like I've been watching everybody this whole game, like trying to understand every interaction and the key, the, the literal moment that I missed of like a minute, or two minutes of missing was this absolutely pivotal conversation where Nick pulls Liza aside. And then at that point, I guess they healed their like deep seated high school <laughs> issues. Um, because so, so I, I was so confused because Liza was so mad about them. And also I had no idea that they'd had this conversation. So man, that moment held a lot of weight for a lot of reasons. Um, but, uh, but that was all going on this morning or that morning while I, you know, unbeknownst to pretty much everybody else, you know, everyone else is just figuring out what's going on in the game. I'm having like all these crises pop up and clearly uh, something was not meant for me, meant to be that day for me. Have you and Liza talked about this postseason? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, it's, I don't it's, think uh, so. it's there. Still, they're still wrong. The biggest still enemies wrong. from the season. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we cast survival challenge rivals, we'll, you're in the first call. Right. I'll, 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 I'll like uh, have Liza on the podcast, and we'll have you guys communicate like via episodes. Uh, <laughs> I, okay, well, I, was, I just watched um, season six of Survivor South Africa, and apparently these two guys on there where they like butted ahead several times, but apparently they like literally had a televised boxing match after the season because just oh my to, like, just, I mean it was you know in good fun, but also just like to beat the shit out of each other. So maybe you know if if you're into that kind of thing, also we could. <laughs> arrange this between you and Liza to have a survival challenge boxing match. Oh my god. Um is that is that what's happening at the reunion this year? Yeah, I don't if know. It's, if it's really survive if it's really survivor themed, then it would be the thing where you're on the platform and you oh, have to see like, yeah, yep. oh, yep. yeah. all my deep all my resentment. Will, uh, <laughs> well we can jump forward to that vote I think because the, yeah, the Nick vote was honestly kind of crazy because um John tried to give up his immunity or something, but then, well, he gave it up after we started casting votes. He, so oh, no, no, yeah, no. we were right. going to, we were going to vote Nick C. That's what was going to happen. We were going to vote Nick C. And, and then, then John gave him the immunity. Nick, like after a vote of it cast, it was something weird like that. We're like, no, yeah. Johnny can't. So, I, I yeah, what happened, the episode's but. not up, but you'll, uh, you'll see. I mean, you won't really see because I edited it. So it's not yeah. as confusing, but basically what happened behind the scenes is John forgot to ask John if you wanted to give it up. So then Nick H, right? Uh, yeah, I think Nick H voted and they came right. back like, well, John wants to give Moody. Does that change your mind? It was kind of, it kind of like put Nick in like the awkward spot of like, right. Well, to be decision, do you want to change your vote? And yeah. then like, he's kind of like, to be know, fair, as like, soon as Nick leaves, John's like, uh, wait, yeah. no, wait, this was the moment. Uh, can I still do this? And then John Vitea was like, technically, he should be able to because we didn't ask. Uh, so that's why they allowed it. Um, now, yeah, so that's what happened there. But uh, yeah, because 
John clarifies later in the episode his reason for that move, which is pretty great, is that he made this deal with Adam to for his own protection with the legacy advantage. Yeah. Um, and so basically he was safe. So he had safety to give out as well. So that's why he protected, uh, Nick. Yeah. Uh, and so I will say like, this was the one moment where Adam just kind of went rogue and like truly like Adam did this and unilaterally, and it was a good move. Like I, I, I'm not saying that at all. It just like, I will not claim to have any, had any say when Adam said like, I just, I'm going to go. He basically told us, he was like, I'm going to go ask John for the legacy manager. We were like, what? <laughs> well, like, <laughs> He did it and it worked and he was like, oh, well, I promised John safety for a while. And we were like, all right. So like that is one part where Adam really did flex kind of his influence over that, um, where I feel like the Alex vote and the merge vote, I really had a lot of, of uh, ownership of that. But at this point, Adam was like definitely really emerging and kind of like Adam is just like such a quick thinker and, and really thinks so creatively, I think, whereas like I really like... I think there were a lot of possibilities, but I usually end up going to the one that like is probably the most like it's like the Occam's razor of like what's the the most common thing or like the mm. most likely thing. I'm not explaining this well, but but Adam is like, I'll do kind of whatever like zany thing you want. And, and, and it, he was bold enough to go do it and it worked. Um, but so we were kind of pigeonholed of like, well, you know, and John, I think had immunity, too. So, yeah. We, we knew in advance that he was potentially going to give it up, but we were like, well, Nixie, I, I felt very strongly that Nixie was the bigger threat, and he had already said, I don't really want to talk to you or work with you right now. So I was like, well, great, he should go. Um, and I think obviously, I actually think if Nick goes there, then I probably don't go out at nine. Um, so a little bit unfortunate that John did speak up and yeah. do it. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, Nick H unfortunately paid the price there. And also shout out to John for freaking killing that challenge that was a pretty physically heavy challenge and he beat everyone individually yeah. and a second heat against nick c like that's really uh, i mean like this was past like your like part in the game but like john's uh like immunity challenge tear was just crazy to watch it uh, was very surprising and uh, you know it must have been because he practiced at all those uh reward challenges being the hero um, <laughs> It was a smart move in that regard. But I was pretty disappointed in how I performed in the, the individual challenges where I was like, I thought that challenge would be perfect for me and I just failed on the rodeo. Um, and it would have been nice to win immunity. It would have definitely been nice to win immunity on the next one, which I did come very close to. Um, <sighs> I think yeah, we can move you, on. Let's move on to this. you help Bethany win? So I did give one. Bethany, Bethany passed by me and I gave her one answer. So yes, I did. But ultimately I did feel like, well, we had this split vote, like we should probably win immunity no matter what. The thing that really got me was, and this is where one thing that was really hard, and if, if anybody else is going through this potentially, if you hosted a game at some point, I had a hard time at certain moments of this, like I would like break the fourth wall too much where I was like thinking too much about the audience or about like what I would be like as a producer or a host or something. And I was like talking to John and the crowd as I was untying these knots during the survival trivia challenge. And if I had just freaking ripped open the knot, I was like trying to like treat them as if they like needed to be untied. Whereas if you just rip them open, you would get them. And it's like, do whatever you need to do to win. Like stop thinking or like trying to do it the right way. Like I was doing it as, because I like, as if I had set it up. Yep. Yeah. And that, well, that was me, a challenge like, that I broke the year before. The what? <laughs> that was a challenge that I broke the year before. Cause I like, I blatantly let like put my tokens on someone else's yeah. ring and so that they would win that 
our target. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. They were very specific about mentioning that rule during that challenge. It's like, you can only play it for yourself. Yeah. No one else. You're not allowed to rig this, which is funny because we had a different challenge that season being broken by Adam with, with, uh, the, um, yeah. Uh, with the, the voting one, for yeah. people. Yeah. The super, yeah. Um, and so I feel like every year there's a challenge that gets at least a little bit broken. Yeah. Oh, we just, you know, we cast some smart cookies. So, yeah. So, um, I, I lost that challenge by about 10 seconds and I definitely was the best at the trivia section and the running combination, but I helped Bethany and she got answers and that was obviously really key for her. Cause I think she, I think she would have, well, so kind of breaking down this vote, like, a, if I had ripped through the knots, I would have freaking won it and I wouldn't have had to worry about this. It was it was final nine and we had a six person majority alliance. So it's your classic three, 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 which is very dicey and very concerning because it just takes one person to throw it off. But <laughs> I don't think we really had a choice there because no idols had been played. And we thought, well, we knew Nick had gone looking. My idol was clearly not a thing anymore. So maybe somebody has one because um, it was hard to think that there would be none at that point. I got a rock. All I had was the rock, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so we we go into to um, thinking about the vote, and it was a very quick strategy session. And this is where I I think I was like a little bit too overconfident in that we had had the vote going one way, and the we saw like the setup for the next challenge, and we thought that it was the um, like holding the rope like against a log and leaning back. Cause I, I, this is where preparation hurt me because I, I thought it was like a leading back, like abs endurance challenge. And I was like, I think it was, I guess, Carolyn that we voted for there. I was like, she won this challenge in her season or like is really good at this. Like this, we probably should get her out cause she's going to win the next one. And in reality it ended up being the law rolling. So I just misunderstood what the, no, you know, it's funny, that, that, that brings me to that thing. I remember my season two where like that, that exact challenge with the law, with the ropes tied to it, yep. it was, it wasn't like set up, but it was just like, it was just there. Cause I had nowhere else to put it. Like, you know, when it wasn't in use, but I had that same thought where I'm like, Ooh, that challenge could be next. That like, so like I mean, I don't think I, really, I don't think I really made my vote based on that, but like it, it crossed my mind where I'm like, Ooh, I should like mentally prepare for that challenge. But it's just like, it was just, it was just there. Cause it, that's, it was just a giant log. Where else would you put it? Yeah. So I spent my time overplaying to like push us to vote Carolyn because of that, because they had just brought it out. So I thought it was next and it, it ended up being next, but just not the right challenge. Um, and meanwhile, I obviously had missed the part where Liza had been pulled aside and was like ready to flip. And I will say we were walking to tribal council and one piece of advice I, I gave, I actually gave this to Holly last season. I was like, sit in the back at tribal council when you can, like it helps so much. It's unequivocal, like undeniably an advantage because you can see what's going on. Um, because there were a lot of whispers at that one. Um, and I think, I don't even know if some, some I think might've been during the voting too, but, um, there was a lot going on. Were you going to, sorry, someone was going to chime in, I think. Nope. Go ahead. Oh, nope. Um, I heard Liza ghost, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was all the way, all the whispering. Um, and, but you know, I, I started to get, as we were walking over a bit of a weird vibe. I definitely did. And I, I actually thought the whole tribe from, from like, her or like the tribe in general, no, just in general, just okay. something felt weird. And, and it was a tense one to begin with because of the three, three. Um, and I even thought about asking Adam to play the legacy advantage that really did cross my mind. Um, just to like get us through it and make sure. But I, I ultimately was like, I'm being paranoid. The thing is, I thought that it might be us getting flipped on, but I had absolutely no idea it would be me. Like so completely, like it just didn't make any sense to me. I was like, if something's going to go wrong here, 
it's going to be on Adam. Like he's the biggest threat. He's the one everybody keeps going after. And I think what happened is just like, they got tired of going for Adam and they decided like, let's just try for someone else. And because Bethany won immunity, I was the natural next target. Um, and I just didn't like, that was really what I miscalculated was. I just thought that I had this meat shield that I would be safe against or, or safe in that scenario, but I just wasn't. So, I get out and it's this huge blindside, side and the, the audience is very excited. So congratulations audience. You got what you want. Um, and I get my mint from Kathy and I remember walking out of that tribal and talking to you first, Ryan, and you were like, who do you think flipped on you? And I think I named every person in the group. I didn't name like Adam or Bethany, but I, I would think I was like, Candace, gotta be Candace. And then I was like, well, maybe Dave. And I, I never would have crossed my mind that it was Liza. Cause I was like, I really think Liza thinks that like, she can trust me the most. And well, like, I think I, also too having, cause I think I followed you out of tribal. So I don't think I was a hundred percent for sure. Like I don't, I no, wasn't like behind the booth. So, know who flipped, so you yeah, were also in the same boat. I'm like, Oh, Dave or Candace must've finally done it. Cause I felt you guys were still like the core four. So you wouldn't have, none of you four would have done it. So whenever I later found out lies, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> so I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. And I, Liza got a lot of praise for making a move and I don't think she was in really a winner spot. So I, I definitely understand that side of it. I really don't understand why it was me. I still don't understand why it was me. And like the, like the, it obviously didn't work out the next vote, but like if, if you're Liza in that spot, you have every like pa- piece of power in deciding what to happen there. The problem is it just happened so quickly, but I think you have to really like, if you're going to flip, make it what you want to make it. Of course, I think if I had yeah, won immunity, so I think and that's partially my fault. I should have won immunity, but um, yeah, I, I think didn't. they approached her and said, "Hey, we're doing Austin. Are you in?" Where she could have been like, "No, I'll be in if we do this person." And right? They, exactly. Who knows? Maybe she actually was fine with you going at that point. And that's um, where, because we haven't had our boxing match, I don't know the answer. But right, yeah, we gotta get <laughs> um, that. And maybe her perspective had changed. Uh, honestly, I don't know. And um, I would be interested in her perspective there for sure. But at least I felt in the moment, and I, I don't think there was anything that would have changed why. Um, that we felt really good with each other. So that's where I was just so taken aback by it and definitely thought about like for a while. And I I wouldn't say I still think of like what I could have done differently, but like it it was just hard to wrap my head around like, right. Why, why did I get out of this vote? Um, And it just left me feeling very unfulfilled in terms of like, I thought I had this story. And of course you build yourself up thinking like everything's going well. And I just got absolutely, I mean, it wasn't like necessarily the biggest move in survivor history, but my level of being blindsided was definitely up there with anyone else who's ever been blindsided. Like I just I did think, not see it coming. I think me at all. that, uh, it's so sad because I, I mean, I, I think I do agree with your sentiment that there could have been a better target. I stand by the move being what she should have done. That being said, it was completely stifled by the fact that Adam just had an extra vote that no one knew about. That well, not no one, not no one, but but yes, the other side. Oh, oh, so you knew about it as well. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning. He, when we got back from exile, he he told me about that. So that's right. where, like, when people were like, "Why are you just working with Adam?" I was like, "I know every part of Adam's game." Like he had told me about the extra vote, and I think later on he told Bethany as well. So, so we he had knew, the backup plans to even that exact scenario happening. Yeah, and like we, our plan was potentially that we have now basically four votes to use at like a final seven scenario to turn mm-hmm. on the group early. And we have the upper hand and the leverage and whatever we need. Right. Um, so honestly, a lot that. of the dirty work was just done for you. You guys were open to a more dynamic merge 
but they fought back and you guys were just doing what you could to protect your group. Right. Um, so unfortunately the Umpay six was uh, turned on and, and I went, and as I mentioned to you both before, like the rest of the game was really a blur for me, except I was definitely transfixed by the next vote and not going to lie. was very satisfied to see Liza go next to all the people. <laughs> <laughs> I probably was not very nice to her when she got to the jury. And I feel a little bit bad about that because it's a game, but, yeah. um, yeah, um, that was that was a. Uh, but how? I mean, how could you not feel like vindicated? Like, yes, she made the move that she now she's an eighth when she could have been at least maybe maybe second. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I didn't understand too. Like, I was like, well, why make the vote at nine and flip into a four four? Even if you don't know the extra vote scenario, like you could still flip. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Again, I, I haven't. It's been forever, but I I don't really know if she really set herself up in a position to be like. Okay, now and now I did that at nine. I'm gonna do this at eight, seven, six. I feel like she just like I'm just gonna fuck Austin and figure out whatever happens from there. Whatever. I think, she, I think she was really itching to make a move, and like she knew she needed yeah. to, and and rightfully so, she knew she needed to. Yeah, and she and, like she had she had a load of gun. You're just the first person that walked in front of her. Like, yeah, that's yeah. And honestly, I think like for her, she was a huge fan. She she is a huge fan of the show. She you could tell that she loved like working with Adam and like really idolize him in a lot of ways. And so that's something I should have factored in that. Yes, I was this meat. Adam was this meat shield for me in a lot of ways, but maybe people didn't ever want to vote at Adam. Even if he is this big threat, like the fact that he was a survivor that people really liked and that Liza especially really liked meant that it makes sense that she would turn on me over him. Um, even if I do think that she's trust me the most. And, and I think she still did, but like that, that is a distinction where like, I don't really think she wanted to vote at Adam Klein. And that is something that you have to factor in when you're playing with survivors. Um, And that's where um, I I do really like, uh, honestly, I would love to play in like a a sort of the modern version of survival challenge, whatever that means. But the fact that it is sort of the quote unquote, even playing field, I love getting to play with survivors. I had an amazing experience playing with Adam. I got really close with Sunday. I really enjoyed the kind of dynamics of LJ and mama C and obviously John was such a phenomenal story. And I, I really enjoyed um, seeing his journey during the game. And Susie, I really loved getting to know. So I don't regret it in that regard. But it, the distinction becomes part of the game, whether you want it to be or not. And that's something that I, even as I tried to downplay it, that is, I think, one factor as well for Liza, where I really didn't, you know, factor in that super fan aspect enough. Yeah. Um, I had a question. I think I forgot it. Um, well, uh, do you have anything, Ryan? Yeah, so so at the end, you are on the jury then between Dave and Bethany. I just wanted to secure your rationale. I've probably heard it before, but just for the sake of the podcast, kind of just like, you know, go over like what was it about Bethany's game that made you vote for her in the end? Yeah, I, I went in very open-minded. I was closer with Bethany in the game, um, but I really did like both of them a lot. So it, it, there wasn't a, I clearly like one person over the other. And I also never wanted to vote that way. I wanted to vote based on, you know, quote unquote gameplay. Um. I don't remember exactly. Well, I think that I understood Bethany's game a lot more than most. And I haven't talked to her about her a a ton in this podcast so far, but she was there making every single decision with us and providing input and building connections. And like, I had my perspective on what I contributed, but I think Bethany also contributed really helpful perspective. I mean, she definitely told me she didn't trust Liza for a while, so I should have listened to her more. (laughs) Um, uh, So, uh, but she had really good reads on people. She really kept the group together very well. She was great in challenges. Um, and so uh, I knew Bethany's game really intimately and I knew that she played really well. And I knew that she had the same idea about working with Adam and what that meant long-term as I did. So 
I, I understood the kind of core elements of her game. With Dave, I love the journey that he went on. I thought it was so fascinating to see him go from the bottom to top in so many different ways. And, and like you've been talking about William and, and you guys talked about with Adam, he really maneuvered it very effectively um, from the merge on, especially, and was good at building relationships, really understood the game. Um, and I didn't, I don't think I really knew who I was going to vote for going in. I don't even remember what my question was, honestly, um, or if it was even remotely helpful. But the one moment I remember from tribal final tribal council is when Dave talked about the rock move. And that was just instantly disqualifying for me. Like I, I was just like, if you still at this point don't understand, don't have the awareness to understand what happened in that vote and where things went later on, then I just don't think that you understand the game enough. Whereas I knew that Bethany really did. And she did see the whole picture of the game and did really put herself in a position intentionally. So, um, I, I think I even asked John, I think I might've asked John something about, or Dave, something about that. Um, but even, uh, you know, he, I think he, I remember him talking a lot about like, he actually didn't intend to go to the end with me and saw me as a big threat. And like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm flattered. And I, I, Dave, I think recognized what I was doing in a lot of ways, but, um, to me, it just like when it was, was you know, push came to shove and it was a tiebreaker that element for me just steer me off. Um, and I thought Bethany, I thought both of them did a good job at final tribal overall, but I remember Bethany, I was really impressed with all of her answers. Um, and so I, I went with her and I've never been prouder. And, uh, out of curiosity, I was going to ask if like John somehow beat Bethany, but like, let's go with the scenario that it's a final three instead of a final two. You got both Dave, Bethany and John. How do you think that plays out? Well, I think John would have won. Yeah, I don't think even even if there's a couple of Bethany or Dave, I, well, yeah, I mean, I, a couple of Bethany votes maybe, but I mean, just based on you know the story and like the just like the basically just kind of like the feeling of the room at that final, I guess final three if you want to call it that. Like, yeah, I think I think John Raymond was going to win the survival challenge if it was a final three or if we made it a final two. Which is from perspective when 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 he won that final four challenge, Steve Telling and I turned to each other in the jury and said, "John just won." <laughs> yeah, because we didn't, because we we didn't, you know, announce like this is like you know the last one, which is kind of just like all right, next one. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. I, I think I don't, I don't think there's any scenario where he doesn't win against any combination of Dave, Bethany, or both. Just again, just based on you know what the whether people have re- reflected on differently since then. Um, I think definitely that moment of just like the whole jury. I feel like they were all rooting for John right. just to kind of steamroll only because it's like. He'd, he'd have been the guy who just broke this unbreakable alliance and got there. Yeah. Um, and, and then on top of that, just, you know, the story of, you know, the first boot survivor Thailand 15 years later coming back and, you know, blowing them out of the water and survival challenge a bit of cool story to be a part of. Yeah, he had the story. He had the moves to speak to. He had the underdog like journey and maneuvering, but part of that was like intentional moves that he made to get him there. And I will say like, I didn't know a lot about John in real life um, while I was out there. And he really like crafted, I think like a version of John Raymond that spoke to whoever he needed to speak to. And like, it was like, and I remember saying this and it was like, he, he just really understood like how it, it wasn't like not who he was, but it was like taking the like elements of being a pastor and like using that to relate to people in a lot of different ways that I found very impressive where like he really had a charisma and a presence that you never would have known from him 
being on the show for one episode and getting booted out. Yeah, because he so, was, I from my memory, he was kind of like a little bit of a jerk. Like he kind of like just kind of did his own thing and kind of just like my way the highway. Like I, I had very, whenever I, you know, whenever I knew he was playing, I was like, A, where did you find him? And then B, I'm like, he's probably going to be the first boot again. I, I just didn't see any sort of, from like the, you know, hour of television, I'm like, I got nothing from him that spoke to like having any sort of games. It was really impressive to see like him go so far and do as well as he did and come as close to winning as he did. Cause I was like, wow, I would have like, honestly, give me like hundred survivors. And like, he's probably like the, you know, of the hundred, probably at like 99, hundred, as far as like what I would probably expect him to do. Um, you know, long I don't think game. we'll ever see a, like a survival change survivor game quite be like John's. I think he played one of the most unique survivor player games in survival challenge and I don't really know how we see someone ref- like replicating that in the same way. Like, and I, I think agree. That it's, it's, like Adam showed his dominance of his skill and as a fan and was a very like, if you're going to see a survivor as a threat, Adam is a great example of that proof. But John comes from a different aspect where his survivor tag doesn't even mean a whole lot ultimately. Um, and him kind of coming using his natural assets in a way. And then also a very difficult merge to navigate from where he came, came from, did a lot of moves that weren't necessarily for his side, but were from himself. And he did that in a way that didn't piss anyone off. And just a lot of these subtle things, like, like you said, just like connecting with people that he made the moves to get the jury on his side, no matter what he was doing, even if it was for himself, you know, yeah, and he was, he was really well liked and he deeply connected with people. And that's hard to do while you're also playing a game really hard. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I will say like, I, I think I was able to see a lot of people's stories pretty well from having like been on the production side of it. And I could see John's unfolding and it was like so fascinating to watch. If I wasn't playing against him, I would have been so excited to root for him. Um, but even as I was on the jury, I was like, I'm rooting for my Alliance and for Bethany and Adam and whoever, but I'm really fascinated and compelled by John. And like, yeah. I, would have loved to see him win in that scenario, um, just knowing what he had brought to the table. Also, to see that in contrast to Adam being a recent winner of the show in the same field is also equally as fascinating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And all that to say, too, I do think that, like, I mean, you know, I think I'm not sure to talk about, you know, John and Adam kind of being like, you know, the kind of more showy people. I think it definitely does, you know, worth calling out. That, I mean, I think Bethany was a really, really strong winner. Um, and one of my favorites too to watch too. I think see, I always appreciate more of that kind of like because kind of just how I play. It's kind of like that more like the subtle social strategic side where you know like just I think just personality wise like she and myself would never be this like really big over the top presence in the game. But like she knew she knew how to work that to her advantage and to you know not be that she doesn't have to be like the center of the stage to really be the one or one of the ones kind of behind it you know orchestrating things. I think I think you know it's it's. It's really fun, obviously, to watch someone like John play. Um, but I definitely do appreciate, you know, the this, the game Bethany played as well, just just as much. I totally yeah. agree. And the distinction for me is like, it's Survivor is all about mitigating threat level and and being social and connecting with people. And for me, I those kind of people, I just want to see them like actively play the game and actively make choices and connections. And Bethany did that all of the time throughout the game. Like she, she was not a, a, a backseat player. She was not, you know, passing what she was doing. She was active every single step of the way and intentional about what she did. And, um, 
and just like really fun and likable too. And I, I, I will say like one of the main things that gave me like closure and peace was seeing Bethany win because you talked about like the two of us seemed like we were in the best spot. I had all these things and I got taken out and I failed or whatever, but like I was so genuinely happy for Bethany because a, I just really liked her as a person uh, and continue to, but also I was impressed by her game also. And, and, just understood the lens that she was coming from. And I know she's had to deal with some of the same kind of frustration of people just not understanding like, Oh, you guys just followed Adam or did whatever. And, and, yeah. and I well, was I there. I, know the like, I can it. like speak to that too. Cause I feel like, I mean, I think the people that play with me obviously recognize what I was doing, but I kind of had that similar, you know, a little bit of that where I like, I, I intentionally used Spencer as the meat shield survivor, but there, there it comes with the balance of if I use that too much, then if I were to get to the end with him, it's going to be like, oh, well, he was clearly the one pulling the strings. When, like, I will always say, I mean, like, between, if we were, like, the duo that season, I feel like I was much more the stronger strategic social player because I was the one kind of making these connections and making these things happen. Well, you know, and he was a great, like, you know, right-hand man to have in that. But I feel like it was, it was it's easy for, like, the people on the outside to see, oh, he's a survivor. So he's probably clearly the one pulling the strings because he's done it before. Where it's like, I think there's people, and it's been cool to watch these last several seasons where it's like plenty of people who haven't played Survivor are just as good at the people who've been on the TV show. They just yeah. haven't had that opportunity yet. And I feel like that's kind of, it's important to keep in mind just because, just because you aren't the one, like the name from the show, I think you can always, you know, bring your own merit and own skills, you know, that you haven't had to employ before, but now you have, have your chance. That's like the, the cool thing about Survival Challenge is we always, like, I think, I think you kind of mentioned earlier where it's like, Austin, whenever you're casting Survivor Maryland, you kind of went with people, or you were open to people who maybe weren't super fans, but like could, you know, become great players and they did. But I think with Survival Challenge, we're always going to prioritize people who just yeah. love this game and have a passion for it and, and have had a passion for it for at least, you know, whether it be two years, 20 years, whatever, because, you know, there's just so much, you know, plenty of people who like want to play this game so desperately and just haven't had that chance yet. And that's what the beauty of survival challenge is. And it really was, it was designed from day one to give a chance to these people who haven't had it yet and who may never have it. Um, and that's just like, what's the, like one of the cool things about it. Just like the fact that, you know, now we have, I mean, we, have, we almost have, I think, I think, I think after season nine, I think we'll hit, I think 200 people are close to it. It's like, there'll be like awesome. 200 faces who've, you know, been dying to play this game and have played a version of it. And have honestly, like, you know, just for myself, have honestly gotten that, I think, similar, pretty close to fulfillment of, like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I thought, like, oh, my God, my life isn't complete until I play Survivor. Um, but now I'm kind of like, obviously, I would still love to. But I think this definitely gave me that experience to feel like, yeah, I feel like this this validated what I've always thought was true, that, like, I could dominate this game or I could play this game really well, even though I haven't done the real thing, you know, yet. Um, it's like, it's kind of instilled in me that I'm like, yeah, it's, I, I now know that I've, that I'm capable and like, in some ways it kind of has affected my, like outside of survivor confidence, just being like, you know, trusting myself more and like, you know, being more confident in social situations. Um, so I guess it's, it's kind of like, one, just kind of, again, just like one of the, the cool things about it where it's like, you kind of go and think, no, I'm just going to play survivor for a couple of days and have a great time. But like, you really take so much more out of it and like learn about yourself and maybe you, maybe you thought was there, but you, then you really were able to like, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of me. You're right. And, and the experience is that powerful and it is that it does fulfill that desire of like, I've wanted to play survivor. Now I'm getting the chance to. And uh, I think that is really the beautiful thing about survival challenge. And um, 
Maryland was a different stomping ground where I I didn't have the same pool of of super fans. But I think you're right in that it is there are so many fans who do have that passion for the game, who do want to play that hard, and, and it's amazing that they get the chance to. And myself being one of them, I, I consider myself in the same field. Um, it's funny, like the I, I think to your point, like some people may have been desperate to get on the show for 20 years since it started. And some, it may be for two years or three years, but like uh, even, even getting to watch like uh, Danny, like fall in love with survivor. Like he never didn't know what it was. The thing was five years ago. And now he talks about it more than I do. Like it's, it's, it's amazing to see so many people who have such a passion for this um, as soon as you get and dive into it deeply. And so, and that's where it was so fun for Bethany to be another one of those people and like watch her get to live that out. And, I think she was a freaking alternate and like barely even got to do this shot there, this, this opportunity. Um, and yet like, look what she came to the table and showed and, and, and not only showed herself herself, but showed everyone. Um, so I think that is really beautiful and really cool. And to your point about, um, playing with Spencer, like it, it's, there's different kinds of frustration where like for yours, it, the fact that people would just assume that you are not the one in control or not in charge there is like ridiculous. And I think we see it all the time with gender dynamics as well. Um, that not, not like, like that's just like a similar thing that happens in survivor where like, Oh, there's like a dominant male. And I think the survivor non survivor has a similar feel. Right, yeah, he, like, he was definitely like their typical, like alpha male, but I was yeah. the much more of the kind of like subtle, like, you know, behind the scenes operator where it's hard. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard to kind of like translate that in a way that like everybody says, like I said, I, I, like I said, the people in the game knew it. They were like very much aware of like, yeah, you were like the one that we were clearly wrong for not targeting. Yeah. Um, but I think from kind of like the show standpoint, it's like, oh, it's, it's harder to kind of like portray that. Especially like when you have like the, the audience like literally there. Yeah. Um, and not that, I felt, not that I felt like I was like, they were all rooting for Spencer. But there were times, there was one challenge that were, um, gosh, I think, it was, oh, I, think it was, I think it was our first one where we were doing like this, the big cart puzzle way to like, you know, pop the cart at the ground and do the whole yeah. giant puzzle around it. And there was, there was this one kid that was like, you know, saying, you know, go Spencer, go Spencer. And like, like no offense, Spencer, but he was like, just, he was not having with that puzzle. It was not going his way. He was, I felt like he was actively almost like working against me. Right. I, mean, I wanted to just be like, just I'll do this myself. Um, but it was like frustrating. Cause I'm just like, dude, like I'm here too. And then like some other, I this other kid goes like, you know, go Ryan. And I almost just like stop and just like, had a moment because I'm just like, thank you for recognizing that I'm also doing this. Yeah. And, it was, and it was cool because I was like, you know, you have, you know, I think that the audience part of survival challenge too is really cool because even if they don't really like know you, know you, whenever you win a challenge or do something cool, like they still cheer. And it's, it is kind of cool to have just like some random strangers, like, and I plus that features on like me, like I was never like an athlete in high school or junior high, junior high. Like I did like golf. There's no one cheering at golf. Um, but so like, it was like for the first time in my life, I really felt like I had like, you know, people like eyes on me and like a physical competition. It was just like so cool. I'm like, I would have never thought in a million years I would be doing this like right now in this kind of yeah. setting. So it was just like really kind of just like powerful for me in that way too, to kind of have that experience the first time in my life. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad that you did. And, and you're so totally right. in just like how, how awesome it is to have that on you and to be in that kind of just environment. Like it's like a huge sporting event. Um, I was going to say like, I, I don't think either me or Bethany would sit there and be like, yeah, Adam was like our old bitch. Like he just listened to whatever we said, but that's not the case. Like Adam was very much out in front and, and in, in our case, like was driving a lot of strategy relationships, um, at least in certain portions of the game. Um, the hard part was like, for me, I just like never had the closure of like being able to capture my story and that, like I didn't win an individual immunity. I, I was like expecting that at the end of final tribal, I'd be able to like put the story together and, 
maybe not in this three hour version of what we're doing right now, but in some version speak to like, here was kind of the mentality of where I approached this game and let people in that audience see, okay, this is where he was coming from. And it was, it was hard to have people after the game, like people were so nice and came up and congratulated me, but they were like, like the first thing I even like got was like, well, like must've been fun for you to like play behind Adam. Right. And I was like, that's the first thing you said to me. Like, what? (laughs) Like, or like, oh, I guess you shouldn't have worked with him, right? And I was like, well, I, I don't know if I see it that way. It's not really why I got out. Um, it was hard to not have that closure with it, but, you know, reflecting back and having lived through it at all and, like, just even the first moment where you're sitting there in person talking to someone saying, I want to be in an alliance with you. It's so different from being behind a keyboard typing that. It's so different from thinking about it in your head. <laughs> it's like an out-of-body, surreal experience to actually do it the first yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I just, to actually look somebody and, like, I mean, like, yeah, I, like I said, I, I played Oryx, too, where it's, like, to have to, like, yeah, it make a connection in a good way, but also, like, lying behind a keyboard is so much easier Yep. and looking someone straight in the face and being, like, yep, we're good, and then knowing, like, I'm writing your name down in about 10 seconds. It just, like, having to, like, play that straight face, it's, it's, it's like... It's like scary, but it's like also really fun. It's just like ooh, because I mean, like in real life, I mean, unless you're just like a you know dick, it's like you don't really get these opportunities to really like lie or like have at least like creative lies. Um, there's it, yeah, there's very few like, things that have the same level of like adrenaline pumping or right, yeah. Like, I mean, or like, you're never being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna really screw this guy. Like I mean, it's like you know people who may like annoy you here to like kind of like put on a nice face around, but like you're never like really like actively plotting someone's demise. I hope not, at least not hopefully like plotting someone's demise who's like a coworker or like a friend or whatever right. else maybe in real life where it's like survive is a very crazy unique game where you kind of get to be this like maybe not like person who's like this person who's different than like you know your normal self but just like letting kind of some other part of you take over and you know just kind of be a different beast than we thought you might be in real life it's frowned upon to be self-interested even though we all are in survivor we ask people to do that Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fun thing to see what people will do when they have the chance to to express that and to be self interested because we all are at our core. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it was Mama C that called Bethany like you're a brute. Just like that word you were like yeah. never used to describe like Bethany at all. Like I was wild. a survivor, but like and the kind of she kind of like oh, yeah, like she was kind of a beast. So like it, you know the the word brute isn't like totally unapplicable there. That was hard. I mean, it was also fun just like being on the other end. Like I remember when mama C got to the jury and we were arguing because she was like, ah, yeah, you just did what Adam told you to do also. And I was like, that's not the case. Like, uh, but it was just like fun to just be just like everybody is so passionate and cares so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I've loved sports my whole life and I love the stakes and the competition and, but there's nothing like survivor of how it blends competition in such a human aspect and like everything you're saying is about people and related to people and making choices about people and that's the part that i just found well, that's like what, you know drew i think me and probably many others for the show too like i mean i'm still like not like i wouldn't consider myself like an outdoorsman i mean i like you know going on like a hike every now and then but like i wouldn't say i'm like i love the outdoors or like love like you know sporting competition so it's like i don't really it's like on paper like survivor people on an island you know doing challenges for a million dollars like this is not like something i would at all be interested in but for whatever reason like when i was like eight years old and started watching i was like just so fascinated by like these people just like watching people scheme against other people because i mean at the time it was like my television you know library was like rugrats and spongebob so it's like you know there's no like real <laughs> you know machiavellian culture in those 
Um, but like watching like real yeah, people, but then Jimmy like, Neutron win, losing, and boom. That was my well, first. No, 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 no. That, was, that was post Survivor. The Survivor inspired that. Oh well, um, I know, I know, I know. But that's <laughs> I hadn't seen Survivor yet, so I was like, this is really exciting. Oh, so, so, so yeah, like Survivor like based on the Jimmy Neutron episode. I mean, I just I, <laughs> wait. What? I know. I asked if you thought the Survivor was based on that one Jimmy. Neutron no, episode. I know. I didn't. I know. I'm never no, I didn't know that. Uh, but I knew that, that was based on Survivor, was and it was part of where I like knew that I l- was very interested in Survivor yeah, because I, I, I love that part of it. That episode, or that was like maybe TV movie, whatever it was. But yeah, no, I love that because I was like, oh, they're doing like a Survivor thing with Jimmy Neutron. Anyway. Um, um, that was yeah, actually like the that, first like time that. I ever heard of Survivor. It's funny that you mentioned that. Really? I had no idea what it was. Oh. <laughs> Belby was such a rod goddess. <laughs> he had a nice ponderosa. I think he's self-voted because that's how he left the game. Yeah. Um, I never heard this. Oh, anyway, back to Survivor. Yeah, so it's like Survivor was like, it's like that people element that like, it's just so fascinating. So when you put people in like a, you know, small confined area and be like, all right, now they'll reach other out. It's just like, it becomes, it's like such a, like wild crazy process to watch but that's like that's like you know that's why i will i will do everything i can to always come back to survival challenge every year because i can't imagine it's i mean it's like you get to watch your favorite tv show live in person i mean it's like it's like it's like it's it's survivor like live like whatever which you can't know you can't even do that with the real show because you get to walk back you get to come back and then get that validation people being like oh it's ryan he's a winner that's so great. It never gets old. But I was explaining this to a friend today, actually. He's like, yeah, you can't watch Survivor in person. So, like, if this was a sport, this is our way of watching it live in person. Um, and it's so fun, you know, you know, like, breaking down all the theories. Because that's the thing. When everyone's there, that's all we're talking about. It's just the game at hand and what's going down and the occasional rehashing of our past seasons thrown in there as well. Mm, but, you know. know. <laughs> but uh, speaking to that, like... What has, like, you know, you said you've been very picky, uh, Austin, about, like, you personally playing a live game. And so I'm sure you had a lot of expectations going into this. What has been the result of that and how you've looked back at it over the years as your experience and memories have developed and also what relationships with people you've built from this experience? Well, it it wildly surpassed my expectations, even knowing that it was like really respected going in. I loved the challenges. I I was just so impressed by everything put on that way. I love the community around it and how many people just turned out. I I just didn't expect that part of it, even knowing that there was an audience before. Um, And I love that it's like a, a genuine community that it keeps growing. I love that people that I know, like seeing Holly get to play last year was so exciting for me. Um, seeing those kind of worlds for me blend together. Uh, I know Adam talked about his whole referral code thing, but I, I feel like I should get like a small set of um, like a stipend from something. Like I know Jake applied because of me. I, I, I made, I think I've had some reach with getting people to play. Well, not say, okay. So technically I'm the one who got Adam to play survival challenge. Any person who said they played because of Adam is like, really? Oh, it's kind oh, of oh, because of the property. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, I'm sitting here talking about it for three and a half years later for three hours. So like clearly it left a mark on me. And I think that's true for so many people. Um, and it was so fun to go back this year and just like be in that world again. Um, I'm really glad I got to, and I hope to again. Um, well, I will say it too. It's like, I mean, like, you know, the game is great, but it's like what you really, and what, you, what no one expects, even though they might be here on podcasts or, you know, read about it, but like what no one really expects is is that community and like you may say oh i'll make some like survivor friends will be great but like i really truly like 
don't even know. There's so many people in my life that, you know, I met through Survival Challenge specifically that, like, I didn't even know existed, like, three, four, five years ago. Like, I mean, Austin's, like, one of them where it's, like, we we didn't even play together, but just, like, having met out there um, and, like, just connecting after the game. Like, he's become, like, one of my closest friends in in life. Not even just, like, about, like, you know, texting about Survivor. She's, like, my true, like, one of, like, my life's best friends. And I've known him for less than five years, but I feel like I've known him for all almost 30 years of my life just because it's this whatever it is about this experience just like brings you closer to people and you find out other things you have in common just like you know kind of keep up i mean it's like you know we kind of joked about the little circle we have with me austin and bethany and bethany always giving austin not always giving him shit but um just reminding of the fact that he's lost and we both won um <laughs> but i mean like you know we're like we're just a really close group of friends and it's like i I've am thankful so much for survival challenge for giving me like not only my experience but having been able to go back for every other year to kind of help out and run it um, and pick up new relationships along the way. And it's just like, it's this one of those things where like, like every day I probably think, or at least, you know, talk to somebody from survival challenge. And just like, where, who would, who was I texting this random thing to five years ago when I didn't have you in my life? It's just, it's so wild, but um, will always be my favorite thing about the experience. Yeah. And it's so beautiful that we started off this podcast with you saying that you just hate me. And here we are like, look at this beautifully healing yeah, like three in, hours. In three but, hours. He's completely. <laughs> no, it, it, Ryan's absolutely right though. And, and he's become one of my closest friends. Like I, the two of us and Bethany, like and we've had said some just amazing like adventures since uh, then. We'll never well. forget Hearts of Reality. Hearts of Reality was just absolutely <laughs> wild. And I, I am not the kind of person who likes to go to reality events for a lot of reasons, but we like Steve Helling was like, you should guys should come because uh, you know, I help run this and people magazine or whatever. And we were like, all right. And like Adam was there and, um, Oh my God, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> Steve's someone was... who I love and still talk to as well and still owes me a visit up in Baltimore if he's listening to this. Um, but I, I have a lot of people that I really love and get to talk to still from the cast um, and just from the community as well. Uh, I um, I mean, I think just as we wrap up, because I, I really probably should go to bed soon, um, <laughs> The I would definitely encourage anyone who is interested. If, if you were listening three hours and 15 minutes into me podcast, I mean, talking about my experience, then, uh, or 2017 was it? I think so. Yeah. Yep. 2017. Um, then you probably already are interested in applying or have already played before. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, like no one, no one is that big of a fan of you, Austin. They'd be still listening and they weren't going to actually Literally apply no for this one. thing. No, not even, <laughs> yeah, no one is that big of a fan of me. Um, I'm sure even Danny's in bed by now. <laughs> Danny is literally asleep right now. Actually texting me asking if I was done uh, an hour ago. So um, he's definitely asleep. Not a big enough fan. Um, but if you are still somehow still on the fence or you can edit this and put this at the front, you absolutely should apply and you absolutely should play. Um, I have been uh, messaging a lot of people I know who I think would be great for it to uh, try to get them to play. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're as cool as them, then you should definitely play. Yeah, if not, then don't take their spot. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's, an amazing um, experience. It's, it's an amazing experience in so many ways. I don't think like we need to be convincing you at this point. If you want to play Survivor, if you have had that craving that we all have talked about on this podcast and that you know people, I'm sure you know people who are like that. If that speaks to you, then you should do it. You shouldn't hold back. There shouldn't be any reason to, because this game will give that to you. And, you know, like I, you know, like mentioned, I was picky about which ones I would choose. And that's not meant to say that there aren't a lot of other really great experiences out there. Cause I know there are, I know there are a lot of awesome LRGs. I definitely should think about playing another one at some point. Um, but I knew and still know that this one will give you what you're looking for. And so I can't encourage it enough to um, look into it if you have not already. 
And if you are looking into it, now is the time to apply. In fact, you're listening, presuming that you're listening to this at least on release day or close to release day in January 2022. Um, the time to apply is now and it's running out. You only have presumably 10 or less days to apply by this point. So do it now. This is the only time of the year you can do it. You won't regret it. Worst thing that can happen is they say no. Best thing that can happen is you end up on the season. Just do it. Um, You won't regret it. I think we've had so many people who like put in a quote unquote like throwaway application and then ended up on the show. So like don't even think about like if you're qualified enough or if you're a big enough fan or any of that. Like well, don't, throw, don't put in like a throwaway application. No, I'm just like judge, you know. <laughs> like maybe people try. think all oh, my application is <laughs> that but, um, but like, don't be afraid. Hey, to do I'm Austin. You should probably gas me, but if not, it's fine. <laughs> all right, thanks. It's yeah, we work. don't just let Austin in if it was a future season. You know, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, tough for competition. Now, <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, go to survivalchallenge.net to apply now. Um, and yeah, um, I'm sure Austin would be happy to give you any pointers as far as what you should be doing to, or just anyone for that matter, as far as what you should do to help your application. I, um, I would actually be very happy to do that if anybody wants to reach out. Yeah. Um, I think I think I, as someone who has done casting myself, I think it's not all the same. I definitely, I had a, I listened to all of uh, John's video about it recently um, for that perspective, but um, I'm always happy to help or, or give input on that if anyone wants to reach out. Um, because yeah, you're, you want to be yourself, but there's a version of yourself that you can craft for casting because you only are getting a snapshot of yourself out there. So if you're now, interested in, in that, reach out. Um, and I'm happy to give advice. Uh, yeah, no, no throwaways. Now, if you're listening to this and it's past January and you have gotten a said email about, uh, being casted, you know, and you're snooping in on this podcast to uh, get some advice, Austin, what do you say to those people, to the future season nine players? I would say go listen to somebody else because I got ninth place. So you, <laughs> you're, you're in the wrong place. Absolutely. Um, What's it, what, and what, what matters more, Austin, the, the prize of winning or the friends you make along the way? <laughs> well, the prize is five was $5 and the friends, I would say, are worth about three. So um, oh, wow. I'm just kidding. Uh no, they're both very worth it. Uh, pointers hey, we're here, up to nine dollars this year. I think, I think if I could sum up the the pointers I would give to uh, people, it's uh, one that eye contact, those vibes. Make sure you're giving off those vibes. Prolonged eye contact. <laughs> Prolonged eye contact. At least seven to be in an alliance. Mm, yep, seven yep. Uh, pointed glances. Um, no, I mean it's just like we all we talked about on here. Like make the most out of seconds that you have because that that you you don't get them back. Um, for me, it's uh, even as the the whole thing with the idol showed, like be aware of what everyone's doing at every moment, because especially as those votes get quick, 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 you have to be looking for those subtle conversations. Like you have to, if no one's had a conversation, you can rule out the fact that they probably haven't um, passed information through their minds. So um, the only thing you can really know and be certain about is who interacted with who. So that's a big piece of advice I get would give. And like we've been talking about, like just go for it. Um, whether it's diving headfirst into the pond, whether it's going for the gross food challenge, if you're on the fence about, should I make this move? Is this right? Um, you, you, there's no, there's nothing to lose in these situations. Even speaking as someone who did literally lose, it was all worth it in the end. So um, just give it your best shot. Uh, and, and that's all you can really ask for. And um, I guarantee you, you'll get a lot out of it if you put a lot into it. And I think 
the great thing is that everybody who goes to survival challenge and is cast does put a lot into it. So know you're going to be with people who are also giving that same energy um, yeah. and just bringing everything they can to this game. You're not playing with chumps. You're playing with people probably just as passionate as yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people might be chumps still, mm, yeah. but they're also passionate yeah. about the game. There's got to there's be a first bit every season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can be a passionate chump. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a chump. I don't mean it as a knock. You're probably like an oaf. I, I can be a little oafish. Yeah. Well, Austin, it's been great reliving some season five moments with you. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're uh, interested in more of season five, we have most of the season out with the rest of the season episode wise coming out this month. Yes, the final two episodes, they're finally coming. So subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see all of season five along with the rest of our seasons and future seasons. Find us on Facebook and Instagram for updates and fun postings. Uh, check out yeah, our and Make sure you only watch up to the merge episode and then you're good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you're going right now, that's all there is at the moment. But that's right. I look great right now. So. Yeah, that's true. Is over. yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, go to survivalchallenge.net to apply and for all the rest of the information. Um, if you want to listen to more of this podcast, where, wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google yeah, Podcasts. Doesn't, it wasn't, wasn't mine like four and a half hours. It was insane. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Austin, you were kind of getting up there as far as beating Ryan in something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have one thing. Still, uh, still short though. Yeah. Ryan just had to be first at everything. You know, he you know what? Cur- I'm going to let Ryan have this one and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yes. Most long-winded podcast. Yes. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, and thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you both.